In a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is the Great Metal Standoff. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is the Great Metal Standoff the podcast that hits music's greatest albums in track by track combat. And welcome to the first three-way battle here on The Standoff, where I and the rest of the Mosh Pit team are going to gush over and celebrate the pinnacle of the grunge era. Alice in Chains' Dirt will be going up against Pearl Jam's 10, which also will be squaring off against Nirvana's Nevermind. This is probably the most exciting podcast we've made to date, but also the most nerve-wracking at the same time. I was almost convinced in the Dio podcast that it would not be surprising in the slightest if that battle had ended in a draw. And I have the exact same stance going into this one, because how in the hell are you supposed to pick between these three albums? They defined an era. On the flip side, the excitement is palpable. I keep a list of all the albums I'd like to put up against each other here on the Great Metal Standoff, and when anyone sees the list, they immediately gravitate to the grunge albums. So it's given me an idea. At the time of recording, we are in the month of August. So, for the entire month, each and every Great Metal Standoff throughout the month of August will feature a grunge album battle. Grunge month, if you will. And with that, Dirt versus 10 versus Nevermind. That is one hell of a way to kick things off. So without further ado, here are the rules to this battle. Rule number one. Every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by a podcast panel. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. In this case, tri-pairing, or whatever the trio, triplet. I've lost the word association. But... The winning track will receive a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist's tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each, and the album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. Okay, I've summoned in the Mosh Pit team to help me out decide on a winner. Begrudgingly, we really don't know which album's going to come out on top. But let's meet up with them. Imran, Salome, and Jacob, the rest of the Mosh Pit team, and let's somehow decide on a winner. Let's begin. Roll the audio. And so it begins, team. Oh, oh boy. boy. Oh, oh, boy. boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy. Lordy, oh dear me. This is a tough one, isn't it? (laughs) I hear you're all begrudging. You're excited, but at the same time, you're very nervous. What's the ratio? Is that begrudging? (laughs) Thank you, Salome, for the pun game. Jacob and Imran, excited or nervous? What's the ratio? I am very honoured that I'm on this podcast with you, but holy smokes. I feel like... I feel like whatever I do, whatever I answer with, I'm going to both lose friends and gain new ones here. So it's, 
It's win-win-win-loss. You, you should just put put out right now, I love all of these albums equally. So any vote I pick is out of pure love. I don't hate any of these songs. This is the toughest to see. This is like picking favourite children. It's... <laughs> It is a good Lord. preface to Imran. I agree with you. It is a good preface to start with. All three are all three of these are fantastic. There will be no yeah, just... loser. It will just be a, a different varying levels of winners because yeah. yes, none none of them deserve to lose. The way I describe it is this: if we had to rank, for example, if we used a scale out of ten, if all three of these ranked nine out of ten, it's just determining. Which one is the nine point one and which one is the nine point nine? Very yeah, best. Yeah. Scale. I like, that. I like that's, this system. That's the first go. Do you like yeah. that? That's probably the best way I can really put. Yeah. It. As that as makes you, me feel a little bit better. I'm I'm glad I I'm glad I can help you out with that. Uh, as you read at the as you you probably did read the title of this podcast. It's Alison Chain's Dirt versus Pearl Jam's Ten versus Nirvana's Nevermind. The three of the four pillars in grunge. I was, Imran, I know you're a massive Soundgarden fan and I would like to have made it a four-way and add a Soundgarden album, but one, that would be really logistically too difficult and two, I'm not sure which one would have gone well with it. It's understandable. I Personally, I would have picked Super Unknown. Okay. But uh, I, I understand logistically that's like three-way already. That's just a... Yes. It's a lot of music to analyse, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. But luckily, this is, uh, as we said at the top of the show, Grunge Month here at Moshpit on Sin and the Great Metal Standoff. So Soundgarden, they will be featured later this month. Who will they be up against? We'll tell you in the near future. In the meantime, we've got a massive three-way to begin. So what do these three albums mean to you guys over at the Moshpit team? Oh, you don't even understand. My entire year last year uh, was just blasting these three albums while driving down a freeway just screaming out just with my friends in the car just it's sunny days you know it's just good memories just screaming the top of our lungs to these songs or just these three albums are just amazing are they all equally in the stereo system or is there one more than the other oh yeah i they were about equally including soundgarden of course just yep you know the but these three like they're just the big ones and i even got one of my um one of my friends and my, my bandmate, actually, I got her into Alice in Chains and we used to just blast that all the time. And she loved him to the point where we ended up covering Wood at a, one of our gigs. Yeah. You're in a band, you say? Yeah. Would you, do you, would you be I here am, and tell us about it? Oh, uh, okay. Um, I'm in a band called Flood. We're, we're a bit, uh, we're not doing anything at the moment because of lockdown and we can't really get together. But um, once this lockdown's over, we're, gonna, we're coming for you. We're just mostly metal, uh, metal, yeah, kind of. Just metal. You enter the flood yeah. again. It's it's not the same as it was back then. Salome, you are the uh, the veteran wise woman of this group here on the Great Metal Standoff, and especially in this podcast. Uh, and since you're you're the wise woman with wisdom, what do these albums mean to you? Because you came around just when this period was dying out. Thank you for a reminder of my age. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, yeah, I was born in. 1994, obviously a huge year for grunge, but sadly, kind of the beginning of the end, really, uh, we lost Kurt Cobain and that, you know, it kind of all came to a halt in that era. Um, and then it started to, you know, music started to go into that more alt rock punk route. 
Uh, we discussed this in depth on a previous Great Metal standoff about two albums from 1994, which were Green Day's Dookie and Weezer's Blue Album. So it's really cool after my last podcast that I featured on with yourself and with Jacob to kind of go back to the other side of the line. Um, the three albums I grew up listening to a lot. Uh, my parents were pretty much into all three of them fairly well. I think I would hazard a guess that I listened to Nevermind more as a kid. Um, my dad is definitely a huge Alice in Chains fan and one of my uncles is an enormous Pearl Jam fan. Um, so I've definitely grown up around these albums a lot and it's going to be really, really difficult to separate them. I'm looking forward to it, but not looking forward to it at the same time. Uh, load up on guns and bring your friends. Puns all around today, huh? Jacob? Oh, look, I mean, I think, I think I've said it before. I, I got back into music maybe 10 years ago and um, these were the ones that I f somehow found my way back to continually and songs that uh, I guess drew me back because I'd heard them in the past and I remember liking them a lot and a lot and a lot. Um, and off they really inspired and made most of the music that the 2000s were built off and inspired a lot of that. So any sound coming from that is all these guys. And, you know, going back to them, it's these are the king of these sounds. These are the king of grunge. Um, for myself, I think I probably sit more on the uh, Pearl Jam side of it. Okay. Um, but they're all amazing. Yes. I think I personally, I'm alongside Salome where my leaning is towards Nevermind just because I didn't start listening to Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam much more recently where Nirvana has been more deep rooted. And that's where my leanings are. But once again, all three of these arms are incredible that I've been torn various times throughout the process of this, uh, the making of this battle. And, uh, it can really go either way. It can really go either way. But just before we get into the main portion of this battle and we're going to start dissecting track by track as painful as it's going to be, I have a, I have a question for you guys. Why, are we, why do we call this era grunge? Because the more I started listening to this stuff, but Dirt versus Tempest, never mind. Why isn't it that we're doing a three-way battle between a metal band, a rock band, and a punk band? Uh, you know... I had that question a while ago as well. I, I had a thought about, because these three bands are very, their sounds are very distinct and they don't sound anything like each other. I think it was the fact that it came from, I think it was the scene. It came from Seattle, uh, like early 90s. Though, like all of those bands that came from the scene of like early, like rock. Late 80s, early Seattle 90s. Specifically. Yeah. yeah. I have to agree. Um, you know, 80s, we had a lot of like hair metal late 90s early 2000s was kind of getting into that skate punk kind of era it was just wedged in the middle and while i i totally agree with your sentiment that the three bands sound nothing alike in some ways they do sound so alike at the same time it's this weird little they've all got that gritty dirty sludgy yeah. kind of sound you know probably from you know all that that seattle influence they yeah. are they're Probably completely just, yeah. different, but they're completely alike at the same time. It's this bizarre okay. little genre that didn't really live beyond that five or so year period. And it's yeah. Mm. I, I it's a matter of association from the yeah. area. Jacob. I think it's a mixture of that and um I guess the fact that every band that did it had some sort of inspiration from another form of music, uh classic uh, classical rock, uh heavier rock, all sorts, and they all kind of mixed into a punkier sound. 
they don't exactly fall in that as as you guys said but i think it's also that mixture that no one really knew how to define so subtle Such a cool word grunge yeah. <laughs> so subtle similarities but with these stark differences just because of the location they were from in the certain time period is why we gave them in a completely different identity yeah. i i think so i think it's a nod to how influential all three of these bands plus you know your sound gardens and then even in australia when Silverchair first started they had that sound mm. also i think it's just a nod to how influential that sound was that it it couldn't fall under something else. It had to have its own name. Okay. Well, righto. Let's not delay anything any longer. I can Do see the grimaces to? coming on all of our Mosh Pit team's faces. I'm, I'm so scared. I'm speaking and waffling on so long because I'm delaying the inevitable too. And that is we have to gesture over to our timekeeper who is laughing maniacally at me. What do you, why? I'm waving my fist at him. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, I guess in the in in the spirit of the uh, coronavirus lockdown, we're all in this together. And when we do this, there's Ooh. no going back. Ring the bell. Yep. I resent you very much, timekeeper. But luckily, uh, it's it, I'm not too fussed by this first one because I already knew my answer. Them bones for dirt, once for ten. Smells like teen spirit for Nirvana's. Never mind. It wasn't too hard for me. What about you guys? This. Oh, you know, the thing with these three songs is that these three songs are the perfect openers to each of their respective albums. Very much so. I think mm. this, this one is one of the most difficult ones for me. All right, what about you guys? I think the difficulty for me comes in choosing what comes second. I feel like first is very much one-sided, unfortunately, but second is one hell of a little cho uh, choice. Oh, do we have to put them in order? No. no, 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 no. You just oh, pick a winner. Goodness. Jacob's just got a I different. I thought there was yeah. a. I thought there was a little, uh, you know, twist thrown in there. I'm like, oh, good god. This no, is I think go Jacob's just got a much more different way of analysing this stuff. Or a process, a different process, I'd say, Jacob. Right? Kinda, yeah. So, mm. Jacob's process is to rank, like, ranking them in order in his head. Imran saying it's the most difficult, arguably. For Jason, it's been very easy, and I'm on a completely somewhat the same somewhat different road in that it's a really hard battle but i have managed to revert it back to a two horse race for number one okay so just speaking entirely from process of elimination which one did you get rid of i was able to ditch once uh again not because i don't like it not because i don't uh -huh. think it's a great opener like i love the once upon a time lyric it's like starting a storybook that is 10 but for me personally, it was just overshadowed by two absolutely belting tracks. How did everyone else go? Mm. Smells like Teen Spirit all the way. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Jason there. It smells like Teen Spirit has to be the winner here. There's a reason it's as iconic as it is. Yeah, but I I think I'm a little uh, interested in the fact that you chose Once to get rid of because I think Once does a little better than Them Bones. Just I don't know something about it catches me. Uh, the lyric, the way the lyrics are set up, uh, the once up on a time oh, but having it be different beat is super impressive to me it that that almost opening yeah once upon a time it is a storybook opening for the album and uh yeah it just catches me completely eddie vetter well, not a lyricist he's a narrator mm. uh, certainly so it's a god amongst men well that first <laughs> this, like that uh, iconic like ah 
was actually improvised, which I found really interesting because it's so perfectly placed. You know, you know the yes, very first time bones. I ever listened to that? Yeah, the very Sorry, first time bones. I ever listened to that, that actually scared the hell out of me. I left my body for a second. I don't know, almost. No, I just, I, I remember the first time, I, I still remember the very first time I listened to that. I had it recommended to me by a friend. And I was like, hell yeah. I had these big headphones at the time that were like HD, full quality. They're, they're not around, unfortunately, anymore, but they were great at the time. And I'm like, hell yeah. I put it up on full blast. I'm like, this is rock and roll. It's going to be sick. First second, I chuck on uh, them bones and I just, I left my body for like three. I think I had a small stroke. I, I don't know, but oh, that, that is like one of the, I, I think instinctively I'm leaning towards them bones purely because it is one of the most powerful, shocking first tracks that just sets the tone for the entire Dirt record. And Seriously, Them Bones? Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's, I don't know, it's one of the coolest tracks. It's got s- such a killer riff. It's in um, like an odd time signature. Like, everything, about it, everything about it is just really interesting. It's like, I don't know, and like the harmonies in the verse, like I, the way that um, Alice in Chains especially uses uh, double tracking vocals is very interesting to me because it's he kind of varies it a lot and it does different harmonies and it's so interesting i i think that's i think i'm gonna have to go with them bones for this one because uh, it's just the most i think it's the most interesting song out of all of them not to discredit smells like teen spirit and once but yeah, uh, yeah i think it's them them bones uh imran as we go along i'd love to hear uh what makes those double tracking vocals so great because i uh so, you know, I get a bit of a music education here on the Great Metal Standoff. So as we go along, if you could explain that as we go along, that'd be fantastic. Of course. But yes. Right. So, so the, the time has come, has it? I have, yes. I have to make my decision. Well, I thoroughly agree with all of Imran's points about Them Bones. Um, it's like from that first hour, that riff, it's such a perfect album opener. It's aggressive. It encapsulates Alice in Chains sound, the heavy metal influences, um, you know, yeah. Lane Staley and Jerry Contrell having both played in metal bands prior to Alice in Chains. But similarly with you, yourself, Jason and Jacob, you just can't overlook Smells Like Teen Spirit's, you know, cultural impact on grunge, you know, when you ask someone from a casual grunge listener to, you know, someone obsessed by grunge, like the four of us, you know, generally the first song that comes to mind will be Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's the unofficial anthem of that era for Generation X. You know, it's made the Rock Hall of Fame's list of songs that shaped rock at number 80. Um, It's been on the songs of the century. It was voted in the hottest 100 of all time at number one, edging out Killing in the Name, which is another absolute belter of a song. Wow, really? yeah um I mean, while it was a understandably, very tough battle yeah <laughs> i yeah that's it is it's such a killer song to us, like it, it's Spirit. a song yeah. that defined a generation really yeah so. that's a song i i cannot listen to that quietly that's a song i can only listen to loud mm. nice at the same time i know i gave my point to smells like teen spirit and let can i i'm decided i'm gonna piss off a few nirvana fans out here it's i i don't really care what you think it's their best song I know that's not Oof. a popular thing to say amongst that. That is the hottest the take of all time. Not, not. Oof. There are songs I listen to more frequently than "Smells Like Teen Spirit," but just thinking of impact, thinking of just just by the song in general, that riff alone, and you know, Dave, Dave Grohl, the ba-dum, I mean, ba-dum, ba-dum, hmm. into the. You know that wasn't Dave Grohl that played that on the studio. Oh, on Teen Spirit. 
Was that was yeah, that, that was Chad Channing, Channing thing? That was a Chad Channing. Was it? Well, it's interesting. There were lots of drummers on Nevermind. Um, Butch Vig, the mm. producer, also did a lot of the drums on Nevermind, which Dave Grohl has later repaid the favour on Butch Vig's band's Garbage as albums by drumming. Yeah, so they did. have a very close relationship through their drumming. Mm. Yeah. Fun. I believe In Utero is the only album where Dave Grohl actually plays throughout the entire album. Well, isn't that interesting? Okay, so um, I'm, ga- I'm going to take the wild guess and say that everyone bit Imran, it's 1-0, never mind. Yes. Uh oh. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not to discredit once, phenomenal track. Eddie Vedder is an incredible narrator. Oh, yeah. uh, and it really just sets the tone. It, it is a, one of the perfect tone setters. Next I think up. That... Yeah, Can yeah, I add, sorry. before we finish, yeah. I would probably vote then Bones against, you know, any other song. Um, it is probably my favorite Alice in Chains song, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, fam. <laughs> you came up against an icon. No problemo. Damn that river versus even flow versus in bloom. I hate this one. Oh, I hate this God. one. <laughs> Jacob, <laughs> you, do you hate this one? Explain your thinking. Okay, so even flow is one of the, my favorite songs of all time, and in Ooh. bloom is my favorite Nirvana song of all time. Uh, and damn that river is maybe my favorite off dirt. So these are just some of the best songs on these albums in order. Uh, I think for myself, just because I'm, I'm Pearl Jam nerd for it. Even Flo has me. But, oh, it's hard to look past Damn That River. I love the opening and I love how the vocals are done in that. Um, I honestly think Damn That River should have opened for Dirt. Um, but, and in Bloom, it's just, the bass is amazing. It, 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 the verses, I think, carry the song. I think they're better than the chorus. But oh, the chorus itself on. is also perfect. So perfect, it's very hard. Also, probably one of the greatest troll jobs of all time here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very very cheeky. Calling out the, s- calling out newbies like us. I, I'm I'm pretty sure now that I've said "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is technically their best song, just from a pure, you know, I guess impact stance. I'm pretty sure "In Bloom" is directed at me, <laughs> or at least the chorus. Oh, Kirk, oh, you hey, good? at least you got a Nirvana song directed at you. Like that's an honor. Yeah, that's pretty special. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd take it. I must I think I'll, I'll, one... I'll preface though, there are still incredible tracks off Bleach, off In Utero, that I listen to more frequently than this. I think it's the overplayed nature of maybe even In Bloom too, is why it's probably not a song that I seek out so frequently. But you, know, you can't uh, judge, you can't deny its impact. I think In Bloom, even though this is a podcast and it's audio, we do need to mention it has a really, really great music video. I love the parodies of the, the early 60s variety shows. It yeah. is hilarious. As one of my favourite mm. Nirvana video clips is uh, In Bloom. Definitely. Uh, this one, I... Uh, like Instinctively, I, I kind of go to Alice in Chains again because of just the sheer power and aggression. I, I kind of draw towards that more. But uh, that's, I, I haven't, I haven't made my decision yet. Don't because holy crap, what a song even flow. That, that is one of the grooviest songs I've ever heard in my life. Such a killer riff, killer lyrics. Kill, like that, like to me, that's like Eddie Vedder rapping. It's so cool. The, mm. the chorus is catchy, sick solos. It's just that that's like, I'm like top tier song right there. S tier. And then in bloom, you add that to the mix and I am just, I'm in a dizzying proportion of mind heckery right now. I don't like, 
Uh, I just the drums at the start of In Bloom kind of make that song for me. Just the like that that part just gets me so hype every time. I love the guitar solo in it because it's the guitar solo is so different to what Kurt normally does. Is where for a guitar solo he normally just plays the melody or just something really simple, but this one it feels like he kind of just lets loose and goes nuts and. Uh, I, it's almost more like something you'd hear on um, Incesticide where he's got some wacky sounding guitars. Um, yeah. But it's still so perfectly placed raw. on Nevermind at the same time. It still belongs there, but it's kind of, it could also fit very well on Incesticide at the same time. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I will try to sway you, Imran, a little bit closer to even flow just because how can you look past the uh, the little uh, like riffs and little just bits of um, solo? I, I want to say solo that are just everywhere throughout the verses they don't scream at you immediately but when you look for them they catch you and they are some of the most amazing little just add-ons that i I think it outdoes in bloom in that regard i think the little bits of uh, fun Mm. and solo spread between even the solos themselves in both songs i think in uh in bloom as much as it's great doesn't exactly catch even flow there you want me to help you support that argument there jacob go ahead did you, I'm not, I'm not, once again, uh, Salme or anyone else here can uh, help fact check us with this, but uh, Mike McCready, I think, has once stated that he was trying, it's very Stevie Ray Vaughan influenced, that solo. Oh, I have Ooh. read that. Okay. I'm a big fan of Stevie Ray Vaughan. I think I also will uh, point this out as well. That song, uh, according to the band members, was one of the hardest to record. They say that it took... Uh, up to 75 to 100 attempts to capture it properly because of how how much is going on but how deceptively simple it is mm-hmm. yeah um oh. i think yeah it was between 50 and 70 times and now like you've said up to 75 um there's rumors circulating everywhere about how long it took uh, just because they had such a vision for it and there's so much going on and listening to it you can hear why there's so much weaved in there that the thought of recording and then producing it is quite frankly terrifying like <laughs> hats off that they finally got it because it's just a complete banger all right I think on, oh, and one one last bit because we we do talk about eddie Vedder being a narrator i think this song the lyrics catch me again because it's about uh, uh eddie Vedder has stated that it's his uh experience while being homeless and how that went for him so I think that was captured really well in this song because you don't notice it at first, but when you pay attention to the lyrics, you notice it and you get a new respect for it. So in conclusion, we have a cruncher in Damn That River, a groover in Even Flow, and then a smack in the face within Bloom. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Jacob, you've definitively gone with the groover. Yeah, In Bloom wins for me. I took the smack in the face. Uh, in Bloom, Even Flow. Yeah, Even Flow. I took the smack in the face uh, in Bloom. So we've got two more decisions to make here. Okay. I, uh, I don't think I can look <laughs> past Damn That River. I, the oh. riff at the start of that song is just too, pow- too killer for me. And I think that verse and the, the vocal delivery in, that, in the verses and the choruses of that song is so powerful. It, I think it's one of Lane Staley's greatest, like, if not the greatest, uh, ly- like, not lyrical, um, vocal work ever right. i just it that song punches like every single time no matter like even even if you're listening to that on on a really terrible stereo like one 
you can still feel the power coming through Lane Staley's vocals in that song. He uses like he uses the double track harmonies in that as well. He's like he's got the I think it's like a an octave from memory um, that he uses, which is like a real low and a real high one. And oh, that hits that just hits the spot. The riffs just I don't think I can look past the riffs in that song. The Jerry Cantrell's a genius when it comes to riffs. So I, I'm going to have to go down run. that river. Sounds like you're taking a cruncher um, here. I, I think I am. Okay. That's 2-0 for Dirt, Imran. It's 2 oh, for Nevermind Me. Salome? Oh, damn. Uh, not as in damn that river, but just oh, damn in general. Um, it's very, very close, much closer to a three-way tie than the last round. Um, it wouldn't surprise me did, if this I, ends I had, up being a three-way tie. I had a sign <laughs> earlier, though. Um, I was walking my dog about three hours ago uh, around the Oval, uh, down at Turak Park, and a personal trainer had one of these three songs on playing out loud for the whole oval to hear. So I don't know if it's a sign. I don't know if it's influenced me in any way because it is one of my favorite songs by this artist. And I think it pips the other two to the post. I won't delay it any longer. I've gone with the Groover. Yes. (laughs) So thank you to that personal trainer listening to even flow. I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Oh my goodness. So there you of go. All the days. Boy, do I feel like a black sheep today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 2 0, never mind for me. We've got 1 1 between Jacob and Salme, and we've got 2 0 for Dirt on Imran's end of the spectrum. Now, for me personally, this is where things get very, very difficult, and they get very difficult for the next few tracks. Rain When I Die versus Alive versus Come As You Are. Oh, oh this is a tough one. <laughs> I might not yeah. be alive by the end of this. I could give myself an aneurysm trying to decide. Cheeky Nirvana nod there. Long yeah. album, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to the, think this one through. Uh, mm-hmm. This one is like, Alive for me by Pearl Jam is like the definitive, like epitome Pearl Jam song. That is yeah. like, whenever anyone mentions the name Pearl Jam or Eddie Vedder or Mike McCready or Stone Gossard or even Matt Cameron, I immediately think alive, even though Matt Cameron's not on that song, but just because Matt Cameron's associated with Pearl Jam. I just like that, that chorus comes into my head and, oh man, what a song that, that song just for me as well, just brings back the memories of just like, like I said before, just driving in a car, screaming at the top of my lungs along to Eddie Vedder's very poetic that's such a, that's a very personal song as well from what I, from correct me if I'm wrong, but that's about his experiences um, having a stepfather. Yeah. Half, um, half, yeah. Half based on real life, half uh, he made into a bit of a fictitious story, but yeah, yeah, the gist of it is pretty similar. In fact, the line I'm still alive is actually meant to have a much darker context, but due to the uplifting nature of it, that fans, you know, like fans of the song have for it, it's kind of just changed its interpretation. Instead of being a really, really yeah. dark burden and a curse line, it's become the most uplifting lyric in music <laughs> history almost. Wow, I didn't know that. Definitely. Yeah. But then uh, then we've got songs like Come As You Come As You Are, I think, is my favorite song off of Nevermind. Right. Okay. That's, that is such a chilling intro uh, with the guitar like coming in there. It's like it it sounds real mysterious and I like the the phrasing of the like the verse and the chorus and the melody is just really nice. It just it flows perfectly. I love the the breakdown part after the part is like 
and I swear that I don't. And it just like ah, yes. it goes into like that crazy, like it just, it's the same riff, but it's just heavy drums. Solo. Yeah. And the solo, oh The man. full three notes of it. And then we've got Rain When I Die. Yeah, all it needs. Oh, <laughs> Rain it When I Die. And then Rain When I Die is just that, like the harmonies in that song, like in that entire song is probably the best harmonies that Lane has ever done. The 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 build up to that the intro where like the uh, uh, like that part is so good it's just it's structured nicely it's beautiful it's powerful the bridge um, is amazing i i don't know you yeah. guys go i i'm done i i don't the way i see it best vocal performance oh. out of the three Ugh, it's either all oh, i don't I, you know, I was about to say rain when i die with lane staley and that soaring thing but then i'm like no, that is just up there. Come as you are, that probably gave birth of the description, the watery riff. That's probably probably gave birth to that mm. description. Um, mm. Do you know what? I actually prefer Them Bones and Damn That River to Rain When I Die. So that kind of made the process of elimination a bit easier on me for that reason. Uh, but then I got really stuck with, all, with the Pearl Jam and the Nirvana song. <laughs> I've listened to Come As You Are way much more than Alive, but that solo takes it. Mm. It's a shredder. I, I don't blame that is, you. That is an amazing solo. That solo takes it. That's the reason why I have to take Alive. I love Come As You Are. I listen to it very, very frequently. It's phenomenal. My sister did a vocal cover of that song one time for one of her school band's nights, but the solo takes it. I did a vocal it. cover of that once as well. At did school. you? I did. That was tough. Good. Oh, yeah, Good. Goodness gracious me. Um, you know, Rain When I Die, it's got that filthy bass line and that lead work in the intro. Like, musically, it's super, super cool. Then you've got Alive, which, as Jason said, it's, I think it's like Eddie Vedder at his most Eddie Vedder. He's got, like, his howls and that epic solo. Um, so, yeah. Which but then come as you are. Which is a kiss solo, I should also mention. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, which, I heard about that. Wow. <laughs> Um, I feel like along with Smells Like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are is one of those tracks off Nevermind that's just stuck with people even until today. Um, it it's nearly wasn't a single, actually, which is really interesting to me because I can't imagine it not being a single. Kurt was worried that it was too similar to Killing Joke's song 80s, which was released in 1984, but the label convinced him, no, it's going to be more commercially successful than the other option, which was in Bloom. Well, what, they're both just as, world, I guess. Yeah. What would have happened if that wasn't a single? But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of delaying the decision. But yeah, that's, it's a very difficult split. But I think I, mean, I have to go with Come As You Are. That, it, it just takes me back to having like, my childhood when we still had cassette tapes in cars. Uh, it was on a lot of my parents' mixtapes. I think it pips it to the post for me. Very tough decision, but I'll I'll stick to my guns. I feel like for me, this one wasn't as hard as the others. However, it still was difficult. Um, I very much lean towards Alive because, you know, Eddie Vedder, he kills it again and again and again. I mean, that's it's a slow, uh, metho- uh, methodical, uh, majestic intro followed by uh, just an odd vocal melody uh, with an entertaining uh, guitar riff, a uh, calm bridge, and then this amazing uh crescendo by mccready and like there's no way to uh dance around that as much as um come as you are 
that uh, uh, Kurt Cobain's hometown, Aberdeen, the uh, come as you are is under the welcome sign to reference him and that song, which it shows it's important. But I think there's, I think if I was to, I could probably say third, second and first in this and I'd probably go third is come as you are. Uh, Rain when I die, that song just, it, it, for some reason, I don't know what exactly it is, but something about that song catches me super well. And Alive is probably one of the better songs uh, on this whole uh, thing. Out of all three? Out of the entire three albums. I, well, I'd have to agree with that as well. Fair argument, I'd say, actually. Fair argument. Mm. Imran. Oh, <laughs> you're killing me, Jason. You're killing me. I, Blame the timekeeper. The evil evil okay, struck is, again. Hey? Okay. <laughs> Cheeky bugger. I'm going to go based off my gut instinct right now. And this is... I'm not happy about this decision, but I'm going to go come as you are okay. purely just because I, I think it's just like, I love Pearl Jam. Don't get me wrong. I like, I've not given Pearl Jam any light of day yet, but I don't like, I love them, but come as you are. is just, I think that's just one of the greatest Nirvana songs of all time. And it's my favorite off of Nevermind. If it makes you and, feel better, it was my gut instinct too. Um, and even now having committed to it, I'm like, Oh, but alive is yeah. just so, I alive yeah, is too good. But, I it's mm, yeah. It, yeah, there's it's, something in my uh, gut. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those like hmm, yeah, uh, like yeah. Uh, Ask me again next week, and I'll probably say a different answer. But yeah, it's, same deal with me. Oh, I would man. say okay. Now this is where things get a little bit interesting, and I would get your take on this. Track number four, down in a hole versus why go versus breed. However. On Dirt, there has been mix-ups with pressings over the years. Therefore, there are some pressings that list down in a hole as track 11. Where do we stand? That is the superior... That is... Down in a hole should be track 11. Okay. Because I like, I got confused with this at first because when I first listened to this, it was on Spotify. So I was used to down in a hole being track four. And I still remember the first time I ever listened to that. I was... I. I didn't really like the fact that it was this soft acoustic song right after a song so dark, like um, rain when I die. And then when I got the CD to it, when I got a car, um, I saw that down in a hole was track 11. And I realized that is a much better position for down in a hole to be because that is positioned between two songs, not to skip ahead, but that's positioned between angry chair and wood. And I feel like, the transition between those two songs to be down in a hole is a lot better than okay. for down in a hole to be track four. Um, yeah, I love how down in a hole just keeps building and building. It starts out, you know, I don't think you could really use the word unassuming, but as unassuming as you could go with Alice in Chains, they have that classic sound that it's almost a little like scary, their, their sound. But mm. then on the other hand, Breed is one of my favorite songs on Nevermind. The drums that lead into it are just so punchy and full of energy. And I'm, I really love the lyric, we could plant a house, we could build a tree. <laughs> so that's becoming very difficult for me. And then Why Go also has some really sick drums in the intro. And there's some really funky guitar work. I think like Pearl Jam, like their, their grind just can be, of course. But we were talking in the introduction about the differences between the three bands and Pearl Jam they sometimes even have an element of funk to their music. It's, it's bizarre how mm. well it fits, but it does. 
However, the chorus on Why Go doesn't quite resonate with, with me quite as much as the previous songs we've discussed, like Alive and even Flow. So I think that helps to knock it down below the other two a little bit. Um, I'd be interested to hear uh, other people's thoughts. <laughs> I'm just glad that you said um, that you said there was funk in Why Go because I heard that in the entire bass line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was... Almost 100%. like Red Hot Chili Pepper-esque. It was bizarre, but cool. I mm. loved it. It's a much more gritty yeah, song, I'd say, too. Anyway. Mm. Mm. I personally think Why Go is the most underrated song off of, um, off of 10. Because I, every time I... Like, I've spoken to a few people who love Pearl Jam as well, who, um, you know, who, are, like, who are fans of the album, and no one ever talks about that song. I, I freaking love it. It's like one of my favourite Pearl Jam songs of all time. It's like... it's gritty it's funky i just i love grooving to it there's a few beats in it that are like send you off skelter a little bit but it's so good the guitar solo is probably one of my favorite guitar solos off of that i think it's it's got the unfortunate case of being wedged between two yeah very very good songs not that it's not good itself but Mm. it's where it's placed it's (laughs) yeah it's on the album i think it's placed perfectly because um it's placed between it's it's almost like an interlude um, between two like big emotional ballads, and like you go from you go from one ballad that's like super striking and you you love it you love to scream it, and then you go to this super fast pace funky like aggressive, um, like it's just it's an amazing song, and then that leads into another somber song. It just it flows so well on that album, and I think. Mm-hmm one of the main reasons why it's an amazing track is because of where it's placed on the album. Definitely. Definitely. I, I, I agree with that. It's admittedly, I do see why people don't talk about this one as much. It, it is obviously placed in between two amazing songs, as you said, but I also think this one has the sad distinction of being a very different sound to what you think of when you think Pearl Jam, it's got that heavier uh, feel to it. And if, if you're going to put it against any other song in this album, it feels like it's a little bit everywhere. It's still good. It's still funky. Um, but I feel like it would work better on a different album or on its own. Uh, and the solo is good. I think the solo, there are places where there are loose drum beats that just, uh, um, and I don't think it has the same stand, in my opinion, as the other two songs we've got here. Breed, of course, look, it's hard to look past Breed. When I think a fun Nirvana song, I think of Breed. Um, but down in a hole when I, with, yeah, without a doubt. And when I think, uh, down in a hole, I, I think, um, the, the more acoustic softer side of, um, Alice in Chains and, uh, at least for the start anyway, but it's something that catches me and the distortion that plays softer in the back, I guess, uh, is a good way to put it. Um, it throws me into it and I have to say that's probably the best of these three if we're putting it here. Which one? Yeah. Um, uh, down in a hole. So I think Ooh. I'd have to give this one to Alice in Chains. So would I. I yeah. Ooh. Ooh. That's that's my uh, in favor of dirt for this round. That's do we? yeah. Both. Oh wait, no, I haven't. Oh, I haven't decided played. yet. I just agreed. Down in a hole was a good song. Okay. Down in a hole is my top. This is a three. bit of a top, top dirt. Fair. Like yeah. it's definitely up there with me. I honestly, I love down in a hole purely because of the unplugged version. I kind of I prefer the unplugged <laughs> version better than the the studio version, but the studio version's a phenomenal. I still love it. Um, like you, the, the emotion in Lane's voice is like, is top notch. It's like the melodies in it are perfect. I love the, um, the switch in the, the verse in the chorus goes from major to minor, which 
really hits. I really love that. But I don't know, like a song like Breathe, it, that's very hard to go past because that's such a punky, fast-paced. Uh, it it feel it's it's so frantic. It kind of feels like a stream of conscious, like the 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 way he delivers the lyrics, like I don't care, I don't care, like the it just like kind of keeps going. It ah, it's so good. And yeah, this is a bit of a tough one. I Salome, have you made a decision yet? Oh, like I think I have. Again, I could change my mind next week. I feel really bad because I love Down in a Hole. Like you've said, the emotion. Um, I'm probably going to have a few grunge fans come after me for this, but I think a lot more people talk about Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain's voice as being iconic grunge, but nowhere near enough talk about Lane Staley. His voice, it's, it's, there's mm. nothing, there's been nothing like it before and nothing like it since. Um, and I haven't thrown them any love yet, and it's not because I haven't wanted to. It's just been so, so hard. But I think I have to go for Breed. It's one of my all-time favorite Nirvana songs. Just those, like, frantic was a very good word to use to describe it, Imran. Um, so, yeah. tentative Breed. Oh, I called it a better produced version of School, but okay. Ooh. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a fair yeah. take. I'll give you that. But no, my point went um, to uh, down in a hole, as mentioned earlier, just because of the somber nature and it builds and builds and builds. Kind of like how Jake described alive, the big crescendo at the end. And I don't, I, I don't not air guitar to that big guitar at the end. Hmm. What's this? Where, oh, where's this it going, a, Imran? This is such a tough decision, but I think I'm going to like, just by nature, I think I have to go with down in a hole. I don't like it, but I'm going to have to. You're losing your soul as you go. You're losing your soul as you pick yeah. that one. I'm slowly deteriorating. I'm, I'm melting in my seat. I'm down in a hole here. I'm on my own with my pick, but uh, I'll stand by it. Now you know how I felt with them bones and damn that river. <laughs> a breed of your own. Ooh, I like it. Moving on now to Sick Man Black and Lithium. Jason, That's why are you sick. doing this to me? It doesn't get easier, does it? That's sick. I, I this one like was the harder. easiest elimination I made. Are yeah. you kidding? Feel yes. free to go first then. Oh, yeah, please. I By can't means. stand sick man. You know oh. what? I'm with you. I agree. I think sick man is... Uh, well, it makes me feel sick, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. That, I'm surprised I got that a very is, quick agreeance from you there, Jacob. Please explain. That is the hottest take. Is the hottest take. The hottest. Let's okay, see so if we're I'm on the same wavelength here, Jacob. I'm going to literally read from my notes because when I, when I listen to the songs for this, I literally just write notes about how I feel when listening to it. I've got, right here. first one, uh, don't like this. Slow, almost trying to be psychedelic. Uh, then bam, it's not. Uh, this song sounds and feels like a migraine. Um, is it trying <laughs> is to brutal. be creepy? Although I Oof. do like the bridge. I will say that. I'm a big fan of the bridge, but everything else for this song I can't stand it. Actually, I'm I just, feel like I you're personally down, attacking me. Jacob, I wrote down in my notes, midpoint is okay. Child laugh at 307. Everything else is kind of like, okay, I don't like this delivery from Lane. The instrumental the instrumental portions is a bit one all over the place. That Yeah, that was... I think we were sharing the same wavelength without even realising. Are we telepathic here? Yeah, we, we might be. God yeah. damn. Well, I've had the hardest time trying to figure out these songs because I love Sick Man so much. It, okay, I, it's, one of those, it's one of those classic Alice in Chains songs that go from like this super aggressive, like it, it's got such an aggressive riff, this tribal-like drums. It's just 
super aggressive, aggressive vocal delivery. Everything about it is angry and I hate the world kind of deal. And then suddenly just kicks into this slow stoner rock. Um, like it's even a different time signature kind of deal. And like, it's got, again, like the classic double tracked Alice in Chains uh, vocals. It's got some nice uh, guitar work from uh, Jerry Cantrell. Sorry, I forgot his name there for a second. Yeah. And it just goes from part to part. Just like the, the fact that it makes you kind of hate it. I feel like the song has done its purpose in the fact that it's like made you dizzy and given you a migraine because that's kind of, I feel like what they really went for, for that song. Mm. And the bridge, the, the fact that you guys liked that was amazing because that's my favorite part of the song. But I didn't yeah, say it was that's, good. I said it was amazing. I said it was okay. Still, the fact that you somewhat liked it is, All right. is good I'll, I'll concede that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I actually had a question about Sick Man for Imram. Oh, yeah. Sick Man gives me serious tool vibes. You're the king of tool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What you, where, where do you sit on that? I mean, I get where you're coming from in terms of the the heavy part, where um, it's got the like the tribal drumming and the like the chugging riffs. In terms of the 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 chorus, I think I to be honest, I can't differentiate the verse and the chorus in that song because to me, it's just fast part, slow part, fast part, slow part, bridge, fast part, mm. slow part. The fast part I can understand sounds like tall. The slow part, not really. Mm. But I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I like you. I, I, like I really wanted to. I really wanted to put that for you when I went back mm. and re-listened to it. I thought, hmm, I wonder what Imran thinks of this one. Mm. I like your train of thought on that one. Okay. I I like how Sickman constantly changes pace. I can see why it would be dizzying, but I actually quite enjoy it just as you think it's dragging a bit it, it'll speed back up uh, it's it's very much a roller coaster track so hmm. i'll concede that this okay. is um this is actually a pretty tough one for me because lithium is one of my all-time favorite nirvana riffs and black is the first pearl jam song i ever actually listened to and that song instantly resonated with me so mm. i'm gonna let you guys go first and yeah. Uh, well, I think the first thing to mention with Lithium is that bass. The bass, during at least the mm. verses and the openings, uh, carries the entire song where the drums throughout the chorus and the heavier parts of the songs pick up and then carry it through that. I think this has a perfect mix of those two. And Cobain, over the top of it, I think I said before that I love the more laid back sound that he has, um, as much as yeah. people don't like that. Um, the and melody again, in that verse is amazing. I think oh, it flows so well. I think, we need to talk, I think we need to talk about how the chorus is literally one word. Oh my God. It's yeah. So good. I, my, how? that is my favorite chorus because that's just a melody essentially because he's just used one word. Like he literally could have put any word there and that still would have been the best chorus of all time because that's purely just based off of melody. My and response that, to that honestly, is, yeah. <laughs> Don't you mean, yay, yay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where yeah, I need that's... to start admitting a few things to you guys. Okay. Uh-oh. You know where do we go? Oh, no, I, don't like, I don't like where this is going. You know how every time, I feel like every time you go online, you hear some, uh, any person who has ever done any form of musical education or music training, they can respect Nirvana they can appreciate what they've done to the culture and to music in general, but then their music and then they, but then they say they can't stand their music because it's dumbed down. And that's what makes them an overrated band. 
Do, 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 do you kind of get oh, that vibe sometimes? No. No. Okay. I well, think... then, then I'm going down too far, too far deep of a rabbit hole. I did a podcast definitely... on the Great Metal Standoff where we did uh, Guns N' Roses versus uh, Motley Crue, and we made a reference to lithium, and the guy described it as nails on a chalkboard. I understand. I... I understand. Give me his name and his address. And no, the no. Room that he sleeps in. <laughs> no, I understand. Here's the thing. Ever since I, I love lithium. I think it's a phenomenal song, but I can understand that viewpoint. And now I'm kind of in this position where, do you know that scene from Top Gear when they're in Ukraine? Richard Hammond shows up in a really practical Ford Focus, and then Jeremy shows up in a Volkswagen Up. And Clarkson goes, this, oh. that, that focus is brilliant, yeah. but I like this up. The meme, black, yeah. I think black is brilliant, but I like lithium. And I'm in this sort of conundrum at the minute. Hmm. Mm. I, as Look. much as I think lithium is, you know, it, it's an amazing song, as much as some people might not like it. Cough, cough. Um, not looking at black, you. <laughs> black is <laughs> one of the best songs Pearl Jam has ever put out, I dare say. Uh, it's melancholy feel fits with what the lyrics are about. Uh, it's got a possibly very, very, very dark uh, meaning behind it. Um, the build-up from, I guess, the softer melancholy opening to anything high, higher and heavier than that's perfect. Uh, the when I think uh, black, I think of the da 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 da, and like with the that, piano. That, the mm. piano in the back. Um, Veda starts singing along with that at the end of the song, and it's perfect. Uh, during the breakdown, you've got Vetter in the back doing his own little thing, um, but managing to contribute to that amazing uh, set of instruments going on. The vocals, again, they shine. Uh, I, I think this song, from a lyric sense and from, a, uh, I guess, a tone sense, is perfect. Does that mean, oh, Jake, if you're taking black? Oh, it's a hard one, but I think I am. Okay. Only Jason, you've like... You've made me just want to pick lithium now just to spite you, but hey. now that like You're not spiting Jason, you're spiting old mate. Okay, yeah. Alright, yeah, fair enough. You're not gonna do Jason it to spite me. I like lithium and I'm very I'm I'm still conflicted. I'm conflicted as well, but see the thing is like my instinct is to go to lithium because like that I think is really shows like what what you don't understand with Nirvana is that they're simple. That's what, like, that's the whole point of their sound is that their sound is simple melodies. It's pop. That's basically okay. what they are. They're just heavy. So the fact that this song is so simple, yet it's got parts that really resonate with millions of people. And like, even me, like right now, just thinking this is the song I want to pick. I This like, I think really shows the genius of Kurt Cobain to be able to write a riff like that, put a melody over it, write a chorus with just one word and as well as add a bridge, which is my favorite part of the song is just, uh, I'm like, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to go with lithium as much as black is like an amazing freaking song, like in its own stance. Like, I, like, like I said before, that is the first Pearl Jam song I ever heard. And that made me want to listen to so much more Pearl Jam after that, that like that song resonated with me immediately. But lithium, I think, I'm going to have to go with on this one. Okay. Salome? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> well, um, I think I have to mention, we've discussed the simplicity of Nirvana, um, which, uh, like, 
on paper it's simple, but they make it sound so much more, particularly so in lithium. Uh, and I think I'm so happy because today I found my friends there in my head is just classic self-depreciation Cobain at its finest. That's very, very true to form, I suppose. But I haven't even spoken about black yet. Um, and I absolutely love it. It's a huge call, but it's possibly my favorite Pearl Jam song. The chorus, it's so dramatic sounding and it's weaved in. Like it, it almost sounds like a sitar that's weaved in there with it. It feels like a ballad, but it's still a classic rock song at the same time. And those little like, like, like I think you summed it up, Jacob. It's a flawless song. Like, yeah, my vote goes to 10 on this one it was and yeah it was almost released as a single actually the the label urged them to but mm. eddie better said nah it's too personal i almost like it better that way it has kind of left that personal element to it but what a single it would have been i think it would have mm. almost swayed some people who aren't pearl jam fans towards them so it's very very powerful all right that leaves it down to me. Um, once again, I should preface, black is brilliant. Imran, I'm taking lithium. I still like it enough that I'm going to pick it. Um, but I, I'm just on your point on Kurt Cobain being a genius, my views on that have dwindled over the years. But it is still admirable that he wrote a song like Lithium. And I should also mention, live at Reading, that's their best performance. I agree. That's the best performance of that any is, song on hands that down, gig. Lithium is their best that, one. That hands down is just the greatest live performance of all time. Like straight up. <laughs> I, so yeah, speaking of difficult decisions, you know how everybody asks you if there was an artist no longer with us that you could see once, who would it be? Like, like while we're on the subject of difficult decisions, I think mine would be Nirvana. There is a lot up there, but I, I think I have to go with that. So that's, that's a, kind of credit ooh. to how much I, I love them. And I, you know, the, the live sets I've watched back as someone born, you know, just a few months uh, too late yeah. to be alive at the same time as Kurt. Uh, my mother once made the joke, yes, you were alive at the same time as Kurt Cobain in utero. Very good joke, <laughs> mum. Uh, but yes. Uh. If I could see any band that I don't so have a chance of seeing, it would be Nirvana and possibly because of that set that we're discussing right now. Yeah. Jibbers. Well, now that we're approaching the, we're, we're borderline halfway. We're not quite there yet, but we'll do a score check anyway. I'll start with myself. Nevermind leads 3-1-1. Imran. Alison Chains lead, lead, I should say, 3 2 nil with never mind having the two jacob pearl jam leads three one one and salome never mind leads three two nil and the two points goes to ten interesting wow that's really down the middle Mm. Mm. and i would not believe that i would be five tracks in not having picked something off dirt that is astounding um lordy lordy lord and now we reach uh. probably the three darkest songs of each. Rooster versus mm-hmm. Jeremy versus Polly. And all three are very, very good. Oh, yeah. This one, honestly, I think is probably the easiest pick for me. But at, like wow. in saying that, in saying that, these are all three like top-notch amazing songs. Okay. Like I, I have got 
like Polly is one of my favorite Nirvana songs of all time. One of my like definitely the one of the most standout tracks off of Nirvana. Just the simplest the fact that as well. it's just yeah, it's like I one of my my one of my favorite things about this track is the fact that it's got no drums apart from cymbals. It's only got bass in it for five seconds, and the harmonies just the in the chorus um, are just like they're simple but they're beautiful. It's mm. just it's a simple but perfect like little track in the song yeah, speaks for itself and yeah exactly and jeremy that's just a song you love to scream that's like once that bridge hits that's a song you just want to like just go daddy did it give attention like that's that's an amazing track that's that's got an amazing like little bass line at the start and the little harmonics and the yep. um on the guitar I, I could be getting that wrong i don't know but it's just it's funky it's groovy you you just love to scream it it's that you can tell the the band were having fun with that song when they were playing it especially towards the end when it just kind of becomes a jam track and it just but, um, rises and it's rises not a very... yeah it just builds to a crescendo but it's um crazy yeah my... it's not a very fun song when you think about it but yeah it does sound yeah. fun so yeah my uh my point's going to rooster on this one because Ooh. that's that to me is too iconic of a song to not give a point to that. And I freaking love that song. To, I will defend that song to death. Anyone who ever puts any hate to that song, I will. <laughs> I hope none of you have nothing bad to say about it because I will rip you to shreds. Oh, I've got nothing bad to say about it at all. And I love the personal element. Um, anyone feel free to fact check me on this. Uh, but Rooster it was actually named after Staley's father who served in Vietnam and his nickname was The Rooster. I can correct yes. you on that. Jerry Cantrell's Can- father. Sorry, Cantrell's father, not Staley's. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love that personal element to it. It's Not only yeah, that, but it believe, brought yeah. them together. They were, they were quite estranged yeah. from upbringing, and that was the thing that brought them together, that song. Yeah, that- I was going to say, that song was, yeah, he wrote that specifically to get closer to his dad. Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. And mm. it kind of tugs at my heartstrings too in making a decision that's very, very, very mm. difficult. Um, and Polly also, it might've been released on Nevermind, um, but it actually dates back to like 1988 when they, when they first started writing music for Nirvana. So it's technically a lot. Yeah, there old. was a, there's a version on that on Incesticide. Is on, in, yes. In uh, Incesticide. New Wave. Sorry. Mm, new Wave. Yeah. It's a faster it's version. Super of fast, it. super punky. Yeah. And it's also a very good version. Um, they're very different from each other, but very, very good. I have a cousin named Jeremy, named after this song. So there's another personal element to bring in to the decision-making. Is this uh, from the same uncle who's obsessed with Pearl Jam? It is indeed. Um, and I'm, I'm certain somewhere else around the world, there is another Gen X parent who's used the name. Uh, so. Jacob, where do you stand on this? Um, look, I mean, Polly is an amazing song. I love the the feel of it and the almost the tone of it as well um it has that more laid back sound as i said i like from cobain um and it keeps that throughout the entire thing i think it's a very good maybe third or fourth uh best nirvana song for me ever um but rooster and jeremy are phenomenal both of them i think rooster has one of the just the bass is amazing through it Uh, it's got a softer sound again for alice in chains which Again, I love that the guitar works well with it. Um, when it kicks up and gets a little heavier, 
it does that really well. It seems to flow really smoothly into that. And it feels um, like a crescendo as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, in my notes, I've got wah, wah, wah part is very good. Um, there's obviously yes. a bit more of a wah sound in it, and I love that. I will say that there's a bit of a come down after that that I'm not the biggest fan of, but the rest of the song for me is phenomenal. And I think the only thing that catches it above that is because we're putting Jeremy in front of it. Uh, Jeremy, uh, the drums are what I've called crunchy. Uh, the vocals are great. I'm just going off my notes again here. Uh, the guitar works great. Uh, the chorus is perfect. Uh, it keeps a solid pace that you don't really notice on a first listen. It somehow is fairly laid back while also feeling like it's uh, at a crescendo the almost the entire time because of how better sings the song. Yes, um, yeah, right at the edge of your seat on occasion. You just you feel the tension yeah. rising as it goes along. It, it, when it kicks up, because it does eventually kick up, when it does, it does that very, very well. Uh, and in my notes, I've got the hoo, hoo, hoo part. So when he's uh, going, hoo, like that, that is oh, yeah. phenomenal. Him just almost scatting at the end of the song throughout the second half is maybe my favorite thing Veta has ever done, just because it's so much fun to like sing along. It's a perfect karaoke song, despite how dark it actually is. Um, <laughs> I think because of that, I think I'm going to say Jeremy over Rooster, but it is close as hell. It is close, isn't yeah. it? Uh, I want to add quickly. Sorry. Yep. Um, the, the, start, the start of um, Brewster, that chord that he uses, the, um, like the watery... That first chord is the same chord that's used in the bridge of Come As You Are. Is that so? That, um, it... Yeah, I believe... I, Kurt, yeah, I think Kurt Cobain was... If I'm not, no, yeah, Nevermind came out before Dirt. Nevermind um, came out about a year. Yeah, so Kurt Cobain used that first. Yeah, that's the same chord that, um, that uh, Kurt Cobain used, that Jerry Cantrell used in Rooster, like that very first chord. Well, that's an interesting segue. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very grunge chord. A <laughs> very grunge chord, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I think that means Salme and I are still yet to pick uh, <laughs> this do you know what? I'm not going to lie. I know Imran, you said this is probably one of the easiest for you. This was definitely the hardest for me. I no, I I understand. It's a uh, very tough pick. There were, these are some amazing songs. This one's yeah. This one's tough. Uh, I think Salmo, what are you going to do? Oh, shivers. Um, it's very very close, but. I think I have to go with Jeremy. That song, it, it gives you chills for so many reasons. For one, the dark underlying meaning, it, it can't be ignored. Um, but at the same time, uh, as Jacob was talking about earlier, I feel like in the last minute of the song, Eddie Vedder is trying to see how many different noises he can make. It's like this cool freestyle <laughs> rapping, scatting. It's, and just from that first note as well, like right at the beginning, right up to the end, it, it's just constant crescendo. You never, like, it just peak, 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 peak. It, it just keeps on going. Um, that's not to take away from Rooster or Polly, but I think I have to go with Jeremy. It, it's just so suspenseful. It, it's like fantastic movie of the song world. You just never quite know where it's going. And for that, yeah. <laughs> you made a really yeah. compelling case, you know. I was just going to even it out and say Rooster, but I think you're swaying me, you know. Oh no! <laughs> Dude, I can give I can give you more facts about Rooster, or not facts, but well, just things about Rooster if you want. 
Give me one more. Let's make this a debate. Try and sway okay. me. What's, what would be the, the fact that you what think about, sway me? Okay, the second verse. The, the best part of that second verse is when it's just like, Gloria! The, when he just screams out the name Gloria for no reason. <laughs> Send me pictures okay. of my boy. That's going to sway you, right? Is that it? No, that's not my only <laughs> argument. <laughs> Okay, what else we got Compare here? Compare that to the power of Eddie Vedder going freestyle, though. Well, do you know, when you said no, freestyle, okay. I could just imagine what, the... freestyle rapping, but with prolonged vocal harmony. I was thinking, what, what would that be like, Ooh. anyway? Um, I mean... Give, give me more time here. Is that give, wrong? Yeah, like... Imran, I think you're out of time. I'm going to take Jeremy. That was a very well oh. thought out argument. Give me more time. Uh, oh. We've only got 40 minutes oh, on the Zoom call, Imran. Hair flick, T-sip. Whack. I could have given you more arguments. Uh, uh, I can't believe well, that was the first one I chose. Time is of the hey. I have been. I love Polly. It's gentle, but it's got that like lifeless feeling that's actually quite suitable for the song. But Jesus Christ, Rooster and Jeremy are two terrific tracks. Fun fact: before we move on, uh, both of those songs have music videos. They're both by the same director. Oh, really? Oh. I did not know that. You learn something new. Every day. Junkhead versus Oceans versus Territorial Pissings. I'll start the debate with this. After listening to all three of these albums and considering Rooster, Jeremy and Polly are the darkest, especially in subject matter, when you listen to a song like Oceans, it's a nice, calming reset. Mm. It really is. Yeah, it's not it, horribly grungy in the traditional sense, is it? Yeah. No. That song, ironically, does not remind me of the ocean. That reminds me of a jungle. The like the the drumming in it and the I don't know just the way the the chords and the the notes are placed just kind of remind just more of like a tribal uh, feeling for me does not remind me of the ocean there are there are more songs on uh, Pearl Jam's Ten that remind me of the ocean that's not oceans. Do you want a fun fact so, about the yeah. lyrics of Oceans? <laughs> it's about uh, Eddie Vedder's love of surfing, isn't it? Yes, and do you know how he wrote them? No, I don't. Apparently, the story goes is that he went to top up uh, the parking meter in the pouring rain, but he ended up getting locked out of the studio. But he had a pen and paper on him, and the bass could he could you could hear the bass from the studio radiating through the door. So he just listened to the bass oh. from outside and wrote the lyrics based on that. That's the story. If anyone wants to fact check me on that? Oh wow, that's, but awesome. still, that's really cool. It's very laid back surfer kind of. Uh, yeah, that sounds like. That sounds like something Eddie Vedder would do. <laughs> Compared to Territorial Pissings, which is, once again, another massive in-your-face oh, punk track. Chris Novoselic uh, singing through, I guess, a megaphone, for lack of a better term. Yeah, right at the start. Like, Go on, yeah. smile on your brother. Every-. Yeah, that part. Which is apparently yeah, the I- chorus to, the, to a Youngblood song called Get Together. Yeah, that's a, it's apparent uh, from memory. I don't remember the song, but it's a, yeah, it's an old, like, classic some pop track and he i think they use it ironically i don't remember how please fact check me on that but yeah they they use it ironically to kind of line up with the the um ideas of the the actual song but oh what a song that is territorial pissings that's that is the heaviest like most punk song that nirvana has ever like written and i freaking love it and it's so hard to put that up against Junkhead because Junkhead is one of my favorite songs off of Dirt. It's, I, I think it's one of the most underrated songs because I don't, 
that's another song that I don't hear many people talking about off of Dirt that I like really, really love. I don't know. It's it's one of those songs that um it's got it's got a really like interesting like jarring riff. It like it's the way the riff and the melody of the verse works sounds it it kind of sounds like it doesn't work at all together, but somehow it just makes sense. And then it just flows into that chorus that just like goes up and it, I don't know that it's, the song's really weird because it sounds like it just doesn't make sense yet. It kind of does. I got that vibe too. It's like a real collision of classic rock and metal bang, boom, explosion. Shouldn't make sense, but it does. Mm, I've got the exact same thing on my, uh, on my notes. I feel like uh, this shouldn't work. But it does. It, it's something about it. Just it seems to work where it shouldn't. And I think you know. It also again coming on Jason. What Jason said though, um, the dark sounding uh, coming from uh, Rooster. The difference between oceans and territorial pissings and uh, junkhead, I guess, would be playing it in order. Um, junkhead and territorial pissings, to me, don't fit where they are. I feel like there should be some sort of palette cleanser somewhere in there i just there's no saying they're not good songs because they are they are amazing songs both of them but i don't think they fit there i think that's a that's a downside on the albums for me that's a very interesting take because i think they're both placed like where they should be i i can't imagine them anywhere else on the album Hmm. where would you imagine them on the album i'm not sure to be honest i i no idea off the top of my head but it it I do feel like there needs to be something in there. No idea what I put there though. Uh, I kind of feel like, cause with dirt, especially like right after rooster, the big hit of the album, you've got like kind of a more unknown, almost throwaway song yet. Like mm. it's, it's kind of more of a song that resonates for me for some reason, but like in terms of like Alice in Chains' discography, it's, it feels like more of a throwaway song. Mm. I guess I can say that too. Yeah. Hard to say. I'm going to put fun fact about oceans. Fun fact about oceans that might throw people over there. Uh, Originally, the percussion was uh, overdubbed with a pepper shaker and a fire extinguisher because they were nowhere near a music rental shop. So when you think fun, how does this song exist uh, with uh, Eddie Vedder writing the lyrics outside and it being filmed, uh, made, sorry, with a pepper shaker and a fire extinguisher? I think this song is really fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> Damn. Is that sweet? Wow. The final answer. I don't know. Oh. It, it's almost a poppy song. Oceans. It's got super jangly guitars and the oohs. Um, and it. Yeah, I get kind of like "Thank You" by Led Zeppelin vibes almost. It's a really oh, bizarre mm. little mix of sounds. And now that I hear how it was written and put together, maybe that's why it's such a bizarre mix. Um, and I think we've talked about how these three are a bit of a stop after three super intense songs they're all so different in the way they go about it so it's particularly hard to place um territorial pissings the title reminds me of taking my dog for a walk uh it makes me laugh (laughs) it's just so energetic and crazy and out there and i think having it placed after polly it's a really good reminder of how versatile nirvana really are it's you've gone from one end of the scale to the other two songs in a row so for me, I think that placement, it shouldn't work, but it, it kind of just shows you the opposite ends of the spectrum. Bang, bang. Mm. Mm. Okay. I, yeah. I think for me, this is like, 
I love Oceans. Like it's that's a great track off of um ten, but I think for me this is kind of a toss up between Junkhead and Territorial Kissings. Okay, where I, are you leaning? Like naturally I'm leaning towards Junkhead, but Territorial Pissings is the one song I like I I just love to like I I, I love it. I, I I don't know, there's no other way to describe it other than I just I love it. It's okay. so good. It's like it's fast paced the whole way through. It's got that little bridge in the middle where it's kinda like it gets a bit slower, but it's still like it's still the same pace, but it gets a bit like drops a little bit and then it just comes crashing back in with like some crazy it's just so punky. Kurt just like lets loose on this track. He like in terms oh, of vocals. He's yeah, the like the voice cracks, he just lets <laughs> loose. I I don't think I've heard another singer who lets loose like Kurt Cobain. He, like, he does not care. He he just goes for it and it just hits. He know like he knows what he's doing on that song and it just it does hits he? smack bang. Like, well, like I mean, not like in terms of technical singing, but he knows that if he just lets loose on that song, that like it fits perfectly with the song with the fact that he just lets loose, lets his voice crack. Just he he lets his voice go to the absolute peak and then further. And hmm. I like he he does not hold back whatsoever. He just I like you can feel like every time I listen to that song, I feel my voice hurting from him singing that song. It just it hurts my voice, but he still just lets absolutely loose. And it's such a crazy, wacky, wild, such a fun song. You like the drums in it. Are, like you can tell, Dave Grohl's having so much fun on that song. It, like okay. Oh. Um- Let's let's conclude with this. That voice crack in Territorial Pissing is my mark against the song, but you've given me a compelling enough case for me to take it. So if I regret this later on, I'm blaming you, Imran. I'm going to take Territorial. Oh, no. Interesting. See, because you see, I want to lean towards Junkhead. If you make me, if you pick Territorial Pissings, I'm going to feel bad for picking Junkhead now. And That's okay. That's good. That's fine. Don't feel bad for it because that's what I'm picking as well. I'm picking Junkhead. I think it's, I think it's better than the other two. I think of, as I said, if this was me listening to the album, uh, all three albums as they are in one row. So if I was listening to Ten and then Dirt and then Nevermind, Oceans would be first. But when you're putting these three songs against each other like this, uh, Junkhead is to me by far the best. I think Junkhead is the most interesting out of them, out of the three because it sounds like it doesn't work, but it does, and it just it. The fact that it, because it sounds like it doesn't work, but it does, and it works so well, I think I'm going to have to pick Junkhead for this one. Salome? Um, yeah, I think because of how I convinced myself with the, the difference in the scale, I'm going to go with Territorial Pissings. Ooh. And Territorial Pissings for Salome. I'm loving the passion, the fact that we've spent so much time on these last three tracks. It's Admirable, I must say. Tip of a hat and a and a nod in appreciation. Moving on now, Dirt versus Porch versus Dream You. It's a very interesting matchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is interesting because Porch is another one of those songs on Ten that's like kind of underrated that no one really talks about. I, like, I don't know about track. you guys, but yeah, I don't know about you guys. But I I love Porch. It's 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 real funky. Kind of slows down a little bit, but it's got like that nice, like classic rock with a bit of the Pearl Jam edge to it. Okay. I I agree with you though. I think this one is 
in, it almost makes me think of Alive uh, solely because I think it, I could be wrong on this, but if you listen to the start of Alive and this, I'm pretty sure it shares the first uh, first few notes. And oh, the melody. Yes. It's, it's a little, yeah. it, it, tricks, yeah. it tricks you. It's like, yeah. you think it's Alive it's, 2.0 and then the second feel, you've had yeah. the thought, it's gone. This feels like an yeah. alternate version to Alive. It feels like they wrote this ahead of time and then wrote Alive and went, oh, that's better, but this is still very, very good. Uh, this does feel like a faster version of everything we've just heard. And um, look, I mean, there's no way to get past it. This part of this song to me is it just keeps getting faster and faster or it feels like it is. And that yeah. solo, oh my God, that solo. That, that's that the sol- whole yeah. song for me. That solo is, um, that solo reminds me very much of, um, I would call it like classic uh, uh, Black Sabbath like era um yeah like that wheels of confusion vibe kind of thing right mm -hmm. yeah just not even like that song but just like a lot of what tony Ariumi did back in the day was like he used to double track his guitar solos where it like it sounded like there were two there were two guitars soloing at the same time and there'd just be a bass in the background and this song reminds me very much of that where it was two guitars soloing at the same time um, mm. And they, they were both doing different things, but they sync up at like one point. And I feel like that's very much Black Sabbath inspired. And I love this song for that because it, it does that very well. It's like, it, it syncs up like with the guitar solo, like at some points. And then it kind of on each side of the guitar solos, it does its own little thing. And then it comes back and does like the same motif and then goes straight back into the song. Definitely. I think and, yeah. outside of just the solo too, Vetter, again, uh, in a almost uh, just the way he treats his whole album, he kills the vocals again. It's almost a very oh, yeah. different vocal style throughout the first half and the second half. But both halves, to me, work very, very well together with everything. And this yeah. song, as I, I agree, is super underrated. This is another one of the songs that um that I feel like Eddie Vedder's like rapping on it. Like it's just a fast like scat type uh vocals and yeah this is like yeah one of the most underrated tracks definitely on 10 but um not my uh, probably uh i don't know if it's my pick yet i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything because drain you is one of my favorite tracks off of Nevermind. like immediate like that that song immediately hooked me when i first listened to it that like that um i don't it's, it's one of those songs that's just like it feels like it shouldn't be it, it feels like a filler track, but at the same time, it just hits. And it's, it's one of those songs that just, you, like you, it's an instant like love it kind of song. And you know, it's like an amazing chorus. It's got like that punky feel to it in the chorus. You've got that really cool middle section where it, like, it goes real ambient and it's just like uh, drums and bass. And it's got the real like fast guitar picking kind of stuff. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they use like... Uh, pet toys or something in the middle of it to, to for those squeaky um noises I, in the background that's like really reverbed i had in my notes a rubber duck <laughs> yeah yeah something like that yeah like rubber ducks for like pet can. toys kind of yeah they get yeah, they got the spraying sound in it yeah i'm gonna ruffle your feathers uh, yeah. imran oh i'm here to ruffle feathers that's why i've been reluctant to speak up until now drain oh, no. i think it's one of the very few, if not the only throwaway tracks on Nevermind. I don't Ooh. think it's bad. I just think there's a reason it's a B-side track. That Ooh. is a hot take. It's I all actually, on the table. 
I actually agree. I I don't mind it, but nothing here stands out. Like nothing in the song stands out to me. And uh, like the harmonies, and I don't know if they're harmonies or just double layered or whatever there, but I'm not a fan of that. I feel like that it feels almost experimental. Um, the lyrics are and, cheesy too. They are very cheesy. Too. I and, loved them as like a 14 year old thinking I was a hopeless romantic, but now they, 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 they just annoy me a little bit. Again, I don't think it's a, a bad song, not at all, but yeah, there's a, there's a reason it was overlooked for other tracks on the album to be singles. Mm-hmm. I, I get what you mean. I, I get what you mean that the, the lyrics are cheesy. I, I think I, I like the song more in the fact that the way it's structured and the, just the fact that it's like a, just a straight like Nirvana-esque song. I will it's give you that. It's a very interesting structure. Yeah. It's not my favourite. It, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even touched on Dirt yet. Dirt is one of the, like, the title track of the album Dirt. Surprise, surprise. That that song oh. is, um yeah, I know, right? Crazy. But, yeah, that one of, like, one of my favourite riffs off of the album, straight up, like, right from the get-go. Such an evil-sounding vocal delivery um in the verse the the vocal layering in the chorus is really nice you got like a it, it sounds kind of pleasant but at the same time it's the whole song sounds a bit evil and dark and yeah it's like there's a bit of a like a kind of got that arabian feel to it like the i like i don't know exactly this the scale that uh jerry Cantrell uses or whatever in the in the riff but it's kind of got a bit of like a, a desert feel to it and yeah, it's, it sounds real dark and evil. And it's a, that's definitely one of a, a very underrated track off of the album as well, which is surprising for a title track. But I don't know, up against songs like Drain You and Porch. Oh, I, I, I don't know. What, what are you feeling, Jason? I, what, um, I'll go out and say my point immediately. And that is Porch. Um <laughs> Mostly because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Jacob and that is uh, refer to my notes here and uh, this will this is uh, my argument to you Imran considering we're both very visual when we listen to music as you can recall in our Dio podcast we painted this really uh, grand picture of uh, the song Shame on the Night remember that yes so picture yeah. this when we listen to Porch can you imagine the interlude with the bridge and that solo being played on an open dry heat beaming onto the desert plain and it's just a flat open open desert and you just hear that bridge with the solo and the big grand nature of it that that was the vision oh, i okay. came out of listening to porch okay interesting yeah it's a very I, grand I can, song yeah hmm. i can see that where this, is the... this makes my decision a bit harder now because it kind of makes me lean to a bit more towards porch but at the same time I think my instinct makes me want to go drain you, but at the same time, I like that's a very tough choice between dirt and drain you. Yeah, because I I love dirt as well. That's like that's a very underrated track for me off of dirt. And I, I thought yeah, it was I, just fine personally, just on my personal opinion. Slow and it's, trendy, yeah, it's, great. That's it's one of those tracks. For. It's like just a it's like a classic Allison Chain song. Like you you hear it and you're like, like it the is first typical. listen. At, yeah, it's it's the first listen is kind of one of those typical tracks, but it's one of those tracks that kind of grew on me. And yeah, it's like I think personally for me, it just kind of grew as it 
it used to be one of those tracks that I used to just skip. But now that I've listened to it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is actually kind of cool. Like mm. there's, a, there's like little elements of it that I kind of particularly like draw to. And well, I think, then, well, then let's hope that it grows on me in the future. It hasn't yet, but let's hope it does. I think on the back of your, uh, I guess, painting a picture style thing with uh, Porch, I guess my first listening to Dirt, I kind of had that same that same idea with it immediately sprung this uh, Middle Eastern deserty, uh, almost like an evil Aladdin style. Uh, <laughs> um, as Imran po- uh, pointed out, it feels very much like you could picture this being played in uh, some town out in the Sarabi desert at dusk uh, with an evil villain or something. And I think that imagery, uh, it's strong. And I think it personally outbeats Porch just because I can picture that. And it kind of describes how, I guess, Alice in Chains kind of feels to me evil, but fun and interesting. So I think that as much as it, it is a little bit typical, it being the, the title name for the album fits because of how typical it is and how uh, much it d- does describe the entire band in that song, in my opinion. Well, Jason, you thought Jacob was being telepathic with you earlier. Now you've gone telepathic with me. I think Dirt is a title track that perfectly encapsulates not only the album, but also Alice in Chains as a whole. I think it's a really good example of the stacked vocals that they made, such a trademark, and it's super unique. And it's it's scary. I say it with a lot of respect. It, it, they are a scary-sounding band, but it's very, very cool. So, mm. yeah, we're, we're, we're on a wavelength here. Seems to be a bit of argument. Maybe, maybe it's a three-way telepathic nature we have going on over I, here. But... Wait, hold on. I think I'm leaning towards more drain you. Okay. I, oh. I, as much as I like, as much as I love dirt, I think like my instinct kind of go draws towards drain you, purely because of more of the Nirvana-esque sound that they bring. Like oh, as man. much as I love that dark, heavy Alice in Chains, like I, I'm a sucker for that dark like those like sludgy riffs but i think drain you i think takes it for me today as, like, as much as it's hard to say drain you from imran going against the grain in this battle that's mm. hey that's it, it's hard but yeah fun song drain you it's very fun uh, i think they're more of that mid-tempo kind of song on Nevermind. i think they do it better on later tracks i will admit to that mm. so sound like final answer was uh dirt for Alice and chains Yes, I can't believe it's taken me eight tracks to throw them a vote. I hope anyone listening, please don't, please don't think that I don't like them because I really do. It's just been a very, very hard fought battle. And when you've got three up against each other as opposed to two, it makes it even harder. But I finally, can't believe out of all the tracks that you that we've gone past off of Alice in Chains, you picked dirt. That's yeah, you can really very, interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> well anyway i think now's a good time for a bit of a score check so um every order from because it's three albums i'm just going to go the first score you get is dirt second is 10 third is never mind and i'm just going to do it like that from here on it how's that okay all righty we'll start with imran five zero three jacob three four one myself one three four and Salome, one, three, three. Ooh. So just remember, Dirt goes first, 10 goes second, Nevermind goes third. That's the uh, the order as we go 
move on to what is it track nine now so god smack versus garden versus lounge jack actually i should do that again god smack versus garden versus lounge jack <laughs> <laughs> can we can we talk about those vocals because to me Wait, that ruins okay, the so... entire song <laughs> oh so you guys hate those vocals i can't stand those vocals i think during the chorus when he ditches it wow it is the best Alison Chains song on this entire album, but because of those vocals during the verses, I can't listen to it. Okay, I take it back. You know, every time I've said that is the hottest take but before this moment, right? I take that back. That is the hottest take <laughs> okay. because I think those are some of the best vocals of Lane Staley. I Lance think you need Daily, to ban like, yourself from on- saying hot take. I yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna create a new word. I'm gonna that that is a spunk. The goddess spunk? right there is a spunk. <laughs> I Salme, I reckon we should God. just take a step back and watch these two debate. Um, Look, <laughs> I you know, I still haven't even decided what my favorite track out of these three are, but Godsmack is like one of the best tracks off of the and I cannot believe you're dissing the the vocals said, on that it's track. It's so because close that... to being the best track. Problem is, it feels like it's being sung by SpongeBob going, ah, but it, it, like, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I've got a question for you, I... Jacob. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is it the sound that a were-goat would make? Oh, oh, you no, know what? I think it is. I think it is. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So just in case, oh. just in case you're not, um, you don't know that joke. We did a, a, a segment back on the Mosh Pit Radio Show where we talked about a band called Where Goat, uh, and uh, we it turned into a bit of a farce that conversation. So if you want to check that out, that's on the Mosh Pit Facebook oh, page, man. facebook.com forward slash Mosh Pit on Sin. Back to the topic at hand. Sorry oh, I missed for the tangent. But yeah, oh my god, look, never mind the vibrato. The melody of that um, chorus, the, not the chorus, sorry, the, the verses where he does that like super vibrato. The, like the melody of that is like super chilling. That's just, like, it's, it's real menacing and like it, it kind of gives you a really like angsty, like I, oh, I don't know how to describe it, like a, a real angsty, like edgy vibe to it. And I feel like the vibrato really adds to that. Like it's super angsty, like it, I don't, I don't know what word to use other than angsty. Help me. Anyone else like this track other than me? I love it. Um, thank you. <laughs> it, like, points holy up. crap. Thank you. Well, we haven't even had the discussion yet, Jason. Let's <laughs> turn it back a notch. It, they are angry sounding vocals, but I like them. Um, it's one of my favorite, favorite songs on Dirt. And it's also featured on Rolling Stone's top 10 Lane Staley live highlights. So clearly it shreds live and the solo is just, it, the solo is a godsmack. It just, mm. Unhorrific. That solo feels like, like, right at the beginning of that solo, it feels like it's just ripping out of nowhere. Like it, it literally sounds like it's tearing through the fabric of reality. I don't know if any of you hear that, but just like, that, those first few notes just feel like it's just tearing. Tearing through, through like, the, the fabric, fabric of yeah. reality. That is a pretty cool quote. I, I stand. I, I wrote that down right here. So, yeah. Um, we, have, we haven't even yeah, touched those... base on Garden or Lounge Jack. What are your thoughts on that? Lounge Jack okay, so... has that 
groovy baseline. Um, I think that Chris Novoselic, he's sometimes the easiest person to overlook in Nirvana, obviously, because of Kurt's royalty status in grunge and then Dave Grohl's later royalty status, you know, kind of went on to yeah. find a little band called the Foo Fighters. You might have heard of them. A but little I think band. That, that is just his time. That's Chris Novoselic's time to shine. It's so groovy and crunchy. And I, it, it just, I, I love that bass line. It's, it, it carries that this, song yeah. for sure. This song is actually one of my, like, one of my top three f- songs on, um, on Nevermind. Be, uh, purely because of the bass intro. And the song is groovy. It's got a very interesting vocal melody in the verse. It, like... Because in the verse, it sounds really unresolved. He's got this melody that like goes like it with each line, it goes up and then it gets unresolved, and then it keeps going and and until the chorus hits, it doesn't feel resolved until that chorus like kind of flows on, and mm. then and then once that like last part hits, you got the last part where it just hits a an octave higher in his vocals, and that's when I feel like it really kind of resolves like the whole song because he's just like, just like really going for down. it. And he's like, yeah. And he, he's just got the, he's just got everything like smack bang. He's just like really angrily shouting at you, like all these things that he hasn't resolved, but it, and it's still the same melody that is singing in his higher octave. But yeah, he like, I, I think this is one of the most un- underrated tracks on the album. No, like this is a song no one ever speaks about in my opinion. I'm glad you've made a compelling I, yeah. case for that because uh, I I prefer Kurt belting out those vocals much better on Lounge Act than, for example, Territorial Piercings, where it just becomes a bit of a farce. I think that one is done much better on Lounge Act. Hmm. I can't agree more. And uh, <laughs> this is a song. Admittedly, I hadn't I hadn't listened to it for a couple of years. So going back to listen to it. Uh, I, in my notes, I've literally got the vocals sound like Counting Crows, the band Counting Crows. And that's a good thing. I actually really like them. They've got that almost monotone similar, just staying on the same area, not going up or down. And something about that, it has, as, as Imran said, it's almost a jazzy, funky sound to it. Um, and that, that completely changes once you get to the second half. It gets heavier. It gets more uh, Nirvana. But it's still one of the better songs I think I've heard on Nevermind. Enough to give it a point. Mm. Oh, I'm still still tossing up Garden. Yeah, Garden. Garden. I, I'm tossing up Garden as well. Okay. Uh, you know what? In fact, I'm tossing up all of these songs because, like, Garden, I haven't even touched on yet because Garden is, like, for me, also, like, one of the most underrated tracks in the album. But, Definitely. like, probably my, like, I, I can't say ultimate favourite, but, like, it's one of those, like, really, it's one of those songs that, like, is up there for me like it's i i did like i can't say it's an ultimate favorite but it's it is up there it is hmm. like number one against like a bunch of other number ones on this album it's i don't know it's got like this the the riff to it has got like it's got such a suspenseful like ambience to it it's and the the vocals to it are just like real mysterious and kind of gentle um i, I don't know if like it feels like you're walking through like an unfamiliar ground and yeah, then the chorus maybe. kind of almost <laughs> like, like a garden. Meadow yeah. frolicking. Mm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like like a meadow you've never been through before. Yeah. And then suddenly weird, once that it's a weird adjective when you remember we're talking about Pearl Jam. 
frolicking through a meadow in Pearl Jam isn't something I would yeah, associate together, but Garden does that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those songs that, like, it's got such an unsettling vibe to it, but then once that chorus hits, it's one of the, like, to me, one of the most perfect Pearl Jam choruses. And especially, like, I think the highlight of this song is the second verse coming, like, uh, coming from that second verse is the, like, the verse, obviously, and then into the chorus where he maintains the same melody that he keeps in the verse and then eases into the chorus where I, I don't know how you got to listen to the song, but he, he's got the same melody that he keeps in the verse. He keeps into the chorus and then kicks into the chorus. And then that chorus flows into a bridge and then a little solo. And then that final chorus just goes like up crescendos and just builds to a perfect outro. And I, Oh, I, Another compelling case it's, it's in one Run. Of those, what are we all thinking? Yeah. It's very, very intricate, like the finger picking at the start and musically it, it is a very, very beautiful song. And then at about a minute fifty, it just surges back to that heavy sound. It's it's a journey, that's for sure. Mm. I haven't even decided yet. You guys you guys go first. I I can't. I was originally gonna go lounge jack, but then you convinced me. Well done. Oh no, what did I convince you? Garden. Oh. Garden. All right. You, I could take each and every bit of analysis that you gave just a minute ago, Imran, and then add what I thought of Porch, and then you've kind of got my opinion on Garden, because that is actually... You, you've opened my mind. Let's put it that way. You have opened my mind on Garden. I think I might throw in for anyone who hasn't chosen the lyrics. The lyrics to this are amazing. Even the story behind it being written is a little bit fun, because uh, apparently it was written uh, with Chris Cornell in the room, actually. Oh, really? Wow. Um, so Whoa. it yeah they were friends <laughs> but um no, no so way, it was written with, written with cornell there and was, he started writing it after uh, george w bush came on the um on the telly talking about the gulf war and uh the song can be seen in many ways as representative of war uh with one of the lines uh, a garden of stone being representative of a cemetery so it has mm. that dark oh, meaning wow. to it but uh, again with that opening the almost mystical feeling at the start it, I don't know, it tells that story very, very, very well. Yeah, it, it kind of lulls you in under a false sense of security. Now I know that. Mm. And I think decision that... 10 times more harder. Oh, I was hoping to make Isn't that easy. Isn't subversion wonderful? That's what was going to make my choice easier. So I'm going with Garden too. Excellent. I'm going against the grain and I'm going with Godsmack. Um, you've You've swayed me, I will admit. Um, that very nearly made me change my tune to Garden, uh, but I just can't go past it. It, 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 it just God smacks you. That's two dirt songs I, now, Salme. In a row, yeah. In a row. Better late than never. Imran, where are we going? You know, I, I freaking love Lounge Act, and I freaking love Garden. Like, they are my favorite tracks off of both of those albums. Like in top one, like out of like three or I, I just, they're the best, but that, that riff in Godsmack, I, I can't get past it. It's, it's so cool. And it's the, the vocal delivery is amazing. And the chorus is so good. It's funky. It's, it's got everything. It's got an amazing solo. It's got a freaking cool bridge. It's got, it's, I think I'm going to have to go with Godsmack and it hurts. It hurts so much. 
Oh. That, ta- that takes your Allison Chain score to six, Simran. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Still oh. yet to give a point to ten, but you got three for Nevermind. That's that's quite the slant, I must say. Quite a mm. ratio. It's tricky yeah. for me. Ten and Nevermind. It really hurts to to not give a point to ten yet. Yeah. Okay. This uh, now this is only in my personal opinion. This is probably the lowest point in all three. Untitled versus Deep versus Stay Away. Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, untitled well, I mean, for like, me is out immediately because it's just yeah. a, like in my personal yeah, opinion, I was gonna a say, bunch like, of un- nonsense. Untitled's kind of like immediately out. Yeah, it's a yeah. cheeky little like nod to but, um, Black Sabbath, but it's forty three seconds. It's not really worthy of arguing, is it? Yeah, no. Nah. That song is a that song is kind of an interlude track between yes. the two songs. It's also called so. Iron Glam, depending I might... on certain pressings. Yeah. I, I should add as well, I think Tom Araya has some vocals in that song. Yes, he does. Um, Slayer he does, is yeah. on a grunge album. How about that? Yeah. Hmm. And um, yeah, I I find that song to be like, not that it's my pick, but I I really respect that song just because of the fact Tom Araya is on that song. And like, that's that's the reason why I don't skip that song. And and I, I must add as well, uh, amongst all the pure nonsense of that song, there are some really interesting like inter like intervals uh, for guitar and stuff. I think uh, Jerry Cantrell from like from the sounds of it, he's got a an octave pedal on his uh, guitar and he's, he seems to have set it to a tritone, which is like according to the church the devil's uh, interlude uh, interval. <laughs> so um, he's he's playing some notes which are and each note is playing the devil's interlude. So. According to my ears, of course. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it it sounds real evil, real dark, and it's just like it's just a like kind of a nothing track, but it's it's super still, evil. It's, it's real cool. Brand. Really fits, yeah, fits with the vibe of the album. And I like I love that track, but All right. I I don't think that's the pick for me here. Uh, I can give you my pick immediately right now. It's Stay Away, but not by much because I don't really care too much for Deep or Stay Away. In fact, Stay Away is a bit strange. Monkey see, monkey do. Oh, ah, that weird guitar thing. Not my favourite thing in the world, but if you have to give it a point, I'll just give it to that. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say that now, immediately. Interesting. I actually really like both these tracks. These two are kind of the most interesting tracks on the album because they're real different. And I feel like both bands are trying to do something different on the uh on the album and you can kind of tell like like the 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 songs are not as strong because they've added them later into the album um but yeah we're like with both these songs like for example with stay away i i particularly like the like the call and response of the of the vocals and the guitar slash vocals on stay away and deep they've got like an odd time signature and a really like a really odd uh, chord progression. I like. I could not pick it. I like. I've never tried to learn how to play this song, to be honest. But mm-hmm. like, it, I cannot. I can't pick the the chord like what they're trying to do with the song. This is a very odd song. Can I throw but this idea out I, and see if anyone really agrees with me here? Because with deep, uh, I find it off-putting and maybe a weirder chord progression, at least put next to other Pearl Jam songs. Because it, to me, it feels like more of yeah. a classical rock tint to it. it has that almost like you'd find in a old Texas American bass type of thing. Classic is the word I have in my notes, actually. Mm. I get some like very, very country, like, 
yeah, like very country desert rock like to this song, but it's a, it's a very odd song. Like I feel like they've taken Definitely. that country structure to it. They've given it an odd time signature and they've given it a really odd chord progression. And it's just like, I, I feel like to the traditional listener, it's just like, it's the song that they're just like, nah, I'm just going to skip that one. And it, don't get me wrong. It's a cool song. But like, I, I I still remember the first time I listened to this album. I was like, this is a really weird song. Like, I I don't get it. I don't know. Like, I, I think my pick to this one is going to be Stay Away as well. Purely because I, I, I think I like, I, I particularly like Stay Away because like, that's, that's the one song of Nevermind that I think drags a bit too long, but that's a song that I will bop to. I, I really like that song. I will like, I'd sing along to that song and I, that, that's kind of a standout track purely because it's like, kind of because it's kind of drags a bit long and I'm like, oh, this is that track, but it's also because it's got some interesting aspects to it. Like the verse, for example, the call and response is really interesting to me. So I mean, Jacob, where are your points lying? I'm going to throw it to deep. That's because like in, in my notes for stay away specifically, as much as I actually really enjoy the call and response, it is a little strange, but I like it outside of that. I found the song to be really boring, uh, especially with the lyrics. And uh, even in my notes, I think I've said that to, uh, the vocals, I think, take away from what would otherwise be a very good instrumental piece. Uh, and Deep the drums is a very, are good. Yeah, I think instrumentally, this is an amazing piece. Vocals, I think Cobain uh, singing this one might actually take away from it. Um, and Deep, Deep, it has that classic rock tint, and I'm a huge classic rock fan, so it it catches me immediately. So I'm going with uh, Deep. So am I. Well, hmm. Classic versus, in a, in a way, a, a little bit childish. You could even describe the lyrics as, um, I think my immature streak is going to come in. Um, monkey say, monkey do. Oh, wah, there it is. Uh, no, uh, yeah. Stay away it is, it sounds. Sounds. Can confirm? Can confirm. Can confirm, stay away to sell me. That brings her score for Nevermind up to four, and that puts it in the lead. Now, we're coming towards the business end. Hate to feel versus release versus on a plane. I'll go first again. On a plane for me. Any reason? (laughs) One of the more catchier songs, one of the more pleasing vocal melodies, and uh, a bopping riff to boot. Do you know what I I like about on a plane? I, I like that... At the time, it would have been very, very small, but now, in hindsight, it's very recognisable. We get some Dave Grohl lyrics in the little mm-hmm's mm. at the end, and I, it's just it's it's nice to have a little bit of Dave Grohl before he was a Foo Fighter singing. Mm. On a plane was one of the first songs that I really recognised as one of the standout tracks off of Nevermind. When like when I after the first few listens of Nevermind. But it's like, it's it's one of those tracks that like no one ever really recognizes. Which is a shame. And I think it's like, one of their best. Yeah, I, I think it's what, yeah, I think it's a shame as well because it's like, I, like personally for me, like I, I've got a playlist of just all of my favorite songs of all time. On a Plane was one of the first songs I ever put on that because that was, that's a song that's just stood out to me like forever. Even like, 
after listening to it on the Unplugged as well, like the Nirvana MTV. Also um, a very that, good performance. Like, of course, yeah. That's that's also one of my favorite performances of all time. I I love that track. It's for some reason like it just I like the chords of the song just work. The melody just works. Like the the verse goes from like a major feel to a minor. And it just it just works and the bridge is just it flows beautifully. It's one of those tracks that's just like really like underrated. No, like I I don't find many people talking about it, but at the same time, it's just like it feels like ever like it, it's just, it's one of those tracks that everyone loves. But at the same time, it's like this is up like up against release. Like for example, like release is a great song. I like I love the fact that it's one of those songs that like go like i ironically goes with the title like and it just like it builds up to this like big chorus of um like music like it's got big guitars big drums it starts off slow and it just like builds very nicely i don't like but for i don't think that compares to songs against on a plane hate to feel hate hate to feel as well as like one hate to song feel sounds of, like you're um, outside hell's gate yeah it's i i think that's that's another one of those songs that's kind of like got uh not got um a sick man where it's got those like two parts that's like really jarring against each other and just goes like i i for some reason they just gel together and especially the chorus of hate to feel it's so like there's so much going on the whole like there's like yeah there's like there's like three guitar tracks over it. They like it, and well, especially from like the the verse of like what's going on, like really gentle to builds to what the hell gotta lay, um, and then goes to like the big um, chorus, and then um, builds up to like there's like three layers of like vocals and big uh, guitar tracks and stuff, and it's just like it's frantic. And there's so much going on. And then suddenly it just goes back to that verse of just like, like it's, it's really weird, but like, it just works. And it's um, yeah. almost exactly a direct ripoff of uh, Led Zeppelin's Dazed and Confused, that guitar work. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Yeah, I'd give you that. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's a hot take, but I'll give you that. That's, hmm. Jacob and Salmo, where are your points going to lie? Yeah, I thought about that. Well, release um, is very whimsical. I love that little Zeppelin influence and hate to feel, but I'm going to go for On a Plane. Uh, as much as I like On a Plane, I think it's my second favourite here. Hate to feel, it's good. Doesn't really catch me. Release, I think the first half of it is phenomenal. One of the best tunes I've ever heard. My money goes to release. Imran? Oh... Instinct makes me go. Makes me go to hate to feel. I'm just gonna hey. go with instinct here. Well then, okay. let's trust your instinct. Hate to feel it is. Good choice, especially when it opens up to the Hell's Gate. Now, to a point you made earlier in the podcast, Imran, when you said Dirt is one of the like dark and evil riffs. As Dirt progresses, I think it gets more, even more darker and evil as it goes along, and it crescendos at this one. Also, might I add, is that by this point, after release is done, 10 is over. Or so you think, because it's listed as a nine-minute song, but after a bit of silence, a hidden track appears called Master Slash Slave. 
and that is going to go up against Angry Chair from Dirt and the supposed closing track for Nevermind Something in the Way. Thoughts, group? I have to agree with you with uh, Dirt and um, the evil-sounding uh, tracks because Angry Chair is the most evil-sounding in terms of like songs on that, on that album. That, I think, lyrically is the most evil-sounding song yeah, on the album. I'm because with you on that. Those lyrics, like, it, like especially like, all right, let's let's just set the scene for a moment. You've got the drum intro for that song, like it's just a classic drum intro. You've got the guitar, like the dong You've got the big like like the the guitar intro. It's building. It's got this nice thing, and then suddenly you've got this classic Alice in Chains layered vocals. You've got a like the root and the fifth. In terms of like, if I'm talking like music theory here, you've got the root note of the of the chord right there, and the fifth, and that's consistent through the whole vo- uh, the whole verse and the chorus as well. Like it, through the whole song, as far as I recall, and those vocals, I still remember the first time I heard that song. That is the most evil sounding verse and chorus I have ever heard in my life. The the delivery of those vocals, like just the the grit and the just the the depth and the like the fact that it's layered is just like that that to me is the definition of evil. And I like I I cannot think of any other song like not even like compared to Black Sabbath, like that, that to me is a Black Sabbath sounding song, but that like those vocals to me are like the evilest sounding things I've ever heard. Not even Satan could compare to that. Can anyone else on this panel relate to that? Very much so. I'm going to bring in a bit of a weird analogy here because it's a surfing analogy. We've already discussed Eddie Vedder and surfing. So it's place in Alice in Chains might be a bit weird, but hear me out here. There's this evil looking wave off the coast of Tasmania called Shipstone Bluff. And it's just got, it's not shaped pretty like another wave. It's full of these chunky steps. And when I think of Angry Chair, I think of that wave just menacingly rising up above you with step, step, step. And you don't know which bit is going to come and decapitate you. It is so cool, but so evil at the same time. Um, and it actually kind of sounds like it's title too, like an angry chair. Like someone's going to throw a chair. Yeah. At mm. I remember still, um, I remember the first time I read the title of this song, I was like, what the hell is an angry chair? Like what, like that, that doesn't make sense. Like, like, Oh, but it does. Like a chair of all things. Like what the hell is a chair going to be angry about? Like, right. Like, <laughs> and the first line of the song is sitting on an angry chair, angry walls that still the air. I was listening to the song and I was like, what the hell is this about? Like, what? Like, what? This this song doesn't make sense, but it's so evil. And for some reason, it just it delivers that evilness that makes it believable. And I was like, I was just sitting there being like, I, why? Like, this song sounds so evil and scary, but this song doesn't make sense. Can I offer and, you like, a theory as, as to why I think it could be this evil? Yeah. Not only angry chair, but also hate to feel. They're the two songs that are solely credited to Lane, and he also played guitar on to on those tracks. So maybe that could that be a reason. Yeah. I was going to mention Lane is um, Lane is the, I think he wrote Angry Chair, 
like yeah. not solely but like he he yeah he wrote the song and yeah. um and uh if you yeah, look at the he, credits he's the sole per member of the band who got credits moving swiftly yeah. on to the pearl jam hidden track jake could you just lead us in on what you think of that honestly i don't know what to feel of it i think it i uh, i feel like this is just an interlude that got lost to be honest i don't really think of it as a song okay. um it's there doesn't really mean all that much to me. I think it's all right. I just, I don't think it stands up anywhere near against these two. And unless anyone else has another point here, I can't even see this being in the conversation. I'll make another point, but I'm not make, I won't make the point in, in as a way to sway anyone. Cause I'm, I, I don't really rate it against the two opposing tracks either, but you could make the comparison that because of its similar sounding, like, it sounds very similar to the intro part of Once, which is the first track on the album, which you can kind of make the comparison to Pink Floyd's The Wall. You know, the, the final song of The Wall is Outside The Wall. And just before the, the album cuts off, you hear a person go, is this where? Then the album cuts off. If you go back to the beginning of first song, track one of The Wall, before In The Flesh Begins, you hear the phrase, he came in, which kind of hints at a cyclical nature of the theme. So that could be a little bit, maybe that's kind of the intent behind Master Slave and it has that cyclical nature going into once. Once again, it's just a bit more of an atmospheric thing. So I'm not really ranking it that highly, but that's just the thought. I, like I feel that. like that song is a, yeah, I, I, I feel like that song is just a hidden track purely just for them to jam out to a, like a psychedelic tribal kind of track. I like that it finishes it off like a nice round cap, but yeah, not really worth discussing in the terms of the debate. Okay. Mm. So that's yeah, like between against Angry Chair. Songs, yeah. Is that? So that's the thing between Angry Chair and Something in the Way. And we haven't talked about Something in the Way yet. And that's considered something a favourite amongst like the diehard Nirvana fans. It's, look, uh, personally for me, it's like, it's a great track. There's like, I've got nothing against it, but I don't think it compares to Angry Chair. I, I think Angry Chair is like such an atmospheric evil song that I don't think anything anything on the Nirvana album or the Pearl Jam album can get in the way of that song. I, like, it's it's one of those songs that's just like if you're gonna rate Alice in Chains like sound, I, I don't think there's anything that can get in the way of that song compared like compared to Pearl Jam or Nirvana. There's like Alice in Ch- like Angry Chair is just it's that's like the perfect like it's it's got the riff it's got the vocals it's got the catchy chorus it's got a cool bridge it's got a freaking sick solo I there's nothing about it for me that like that this is uncomparable to anything on Nirvana or Pearl Jam's album. I gather that Angry Chair is your favorite song off Dirt. Correct. It's mm. definitely in my top three, and. Um, I think, you know what, Imran, I've had telepathic moments with Jacob. I've had one with Soleil. I think I'm having one with you here. I think we might be both sharing a point to Angry Chair. Mm. It's, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's one of those songs. That, like, I, like, there are, like, technically, quotation marks, quote unquote, there are better songs on Dirt, but Angry Chair just seems to hit as a Alice in Chains song. That just seems to be the Alice in Chains song. And I, I, if if you're thinking off of just only this album, Angry Chair is the Alice in Chains song. There's there's no other song on this album that I think could compare. 
Right on. Sonny, Jacob? Ooh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Angry Chair. It's something in the way is such a, a tonal change to almost the entirety of Nevermind that it stands out really heavily for me. It's softer, uh, much more softer vocals. I'd, I've even put in my notes that it almost sounds like crying. Um, wow. And it almost has a creepy kind of psychedelic Pink Floyd-esque sound to it. And uh, I don't have too much on the notes for this one, but I remember when listening to it, because uh, I listened to these in order, I went from Angry Chair to this, and Angry Chair, I thought, okay, cool. This is just, it's really good dirt song. But something in the way to me sounds like a very standout uh, Nirvana song, one that I believe needs to be played more often everywhere. Um, and I definitely see why it's a favorite with diehard fans because it's one of my favorites. Excellent. Mm, so I'm guessing that's where your point's going, isn't it, Jacob? Correct. Boom. Done. It's marked. It's in history. Oh, Jacob, Not really the opinions anything, can change. Like, have we got any songs together tonight? Like, have we agreed on anything? Or I don't know. We'll have to go through it after. Won't we'll we? go through it after the show. Yeah, I... So, Imran, yeah. your point went to Angry Chair, I presume. Yeah. So that leaves yeah. one person. Yes. Well, this was a lot, a, a lot more difficult decision than I thought it would be, in, like on paper, because something in the way it, people, the one criticism I do hear of Nirvana is people say, "Oh, Kirk can't sing," which I think that this shows he's got that vulnerability to his voice, and it's very, very beautiful. It's very much on the one track, but like not not as in the one song, but just the one note for the whole song, but. It, it, it really, really works for him. It works for the song. And I absolutely understand the song's cult following for really loyal fans because I think what loyal fans do respect in artists they love is when they are, they're not afraid to go and do something different, which is what something in the way was. Um, even in the way that Polly was stripped back, something in the way was stripped back in a different sort of way. However, like I, I find myself wanting to give something in the way the point, but like something in my head is it's it's just pulling me back to angry chair. So mm. angry chair, it is. It it's, sounds yeah. like lock it in before it's, I change my mind. Okay, it's, it's got that pull to it. It's it's an angry chair, man. Don't don't fight against that chair. So today, at the time of recording, Salme is choosing angry chair over something in the way, but it could very much change by the time this is uploaded online for the world to see. Very true. Very true. And finally, the final track, which interestingly enough, something in the way should be the final track for Nevermind, but that has also been listed as a 20-minute track because there's 10 minutes of silence, and then you hear the hidden track Endless Nameless, whereas Alice in Chains wraps up with one of their all-time classics, Wood. I... I got to start here with the fact that Endless Nameless has some of the best instrumental work from each member of Nirvana. Like I straight up, like I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's there's some of the, some of the greatest drumming bass work and guitar work from each member of Nirvana. But that's just a, that's just a jam track. That's, that's a nonsense, like go for your life, do whatever you want track. Would, Question mark is one of the one of my favorite songs of all time to the point where I, I covered it with my band, as I mentioned earlier. And that is oh that that is an amazing, amazingly structured, just perfectly put song. That's 
<laughs> it speaks for itself. Yeah, that's I, I I cannot put that song into words. It's it it is perfect. That that song is I like I want to give that song like three points, like five, <laughs> ten points, ten, twenty, fifty. Well, I, can, I don't know. We can officially give it one if you like. I I'd like that. Just as long Let's as it wins. Let's give it one. One's enough. Right, let's give it one point. Just, just the one. That's all it needs. So, I mean, Jacob, I'm also going to give Wood the rub here on the Great Metal Standoff as the final track. It speaks for itself. Bass leads you in. It pulls you in. And then it explodes. Great closer, my opinion. What do the you bass, The bass actually reminds me a bit of Sliver by Nirvana. Just a little bit. Just a little. Sliver we, or Silver? Kind of... ah. Sliver. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the um, one track that, yeah, it, it, it sounds like silver, but it's not, the, it's silver. Okay. Yeah. You learn um, something new every day. There you go. Yeah, endless, nameless. It, it, it's, I like hidden tracks if I'm sitting and listening to an album. However, it, I think the, the argument for me is, would I go and listen to it just on its own for the sake of it? No, I'd have to be listening to the whole album. Whereas Wood is a song, you will go and listen to it just for the sake of listening to Wood. So that's what goes over the line, obviously. Um, it's very cool bass. It's very just good, honest, gritty Alice in Chains. It's a perfect closer. However, I think it could sit anywhere on that album and still fit. I, that yeah. song is one of the inspirations for the name of my band. Ooh. That's cool. Into the Flood again. With a cheap plug into your band, there, Jim, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Into the Flood again. Yeah. Jacob. Let's bring it home. What I are you mean, thinking? It has to be wood, doesn't it? I mean, as much as, as much as Imran's right, it, Endless Name does have some of the nicest and more technical sounds you get out of a just a jam. Uh, it is literally that. There's no vocals to it. Uh, in my notes, I've got no vocals. Don't like it at all. It's just noises to me. It makes me feel somewhat uncomfortable. You don't like it. And no. For the most part, no. I think it is literally just people jamming and it I, feels almost incoherent. You know, the thing is, like, I love that track for the fact that they've just put a jam track at the end of the album, especially oh. for an album as commercially successful as Nevermind. Yeah, I love, I love the, the fact, fact that they've just put a... Yeah. It's just... But, I don't yeah, know like, if I, I would. Like, <laughs> yeah, look, look for, for example, like, in this instance, of course we're going to go for a track that's, like, for a track that's against... An actual song. Like, yeah, it's yeah, an actual song. But I don't think you should discredit this song as oh, a like, as a song, of course, yeah, it's like, it's it. a fantastic song. It's I like legitimate like legitimately out of that entire album, I think that is the best example of each member's entire like talent range of talent. Yeah, as, as yeah. I said, technically it's an amazing piece, but when you're yeah. listening to it as a fan, it's very much just like oh, this is garbled noise. Yeah, wood is better. Yeah, you, like you think for for a diehard Nirvana fan, Endless Nameless would be so much better than Wood. But mm. Wood for like for for the casual fan is the greatest song of all time. And you you cannot like there are not many songs that could go go up against Wood. Oh, without a doubt. Like, it, yeah, even like I like personally for me, there are there are lots of songs off of Nevermind that could go up against Wood that would win. But like endless nameless, like for that, like just the jam track to go up against would, would it's a bit unfair, like, isn't would, it? Would definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's exactly, yeah, 
just because that's just the a cookie fucking, crumbles. Like, a, a jam track. Yeah. And plus, I think wood wood for me would fit anywhere in this whole system of uh, choosing the best. Uh, simply put, the the key uh, the key to this song is very much the uh, the beat and the drums, which are phenomenal. Um, exactly. It's got yeah. this creepy feel to it. I love the vocals in it. Uh, the solo is one of my favorites. Um, and I love how the vocals fit in with the melody. It's something that stands out a lot more in this one than it does any other Alice in Chains song, uh, song for me anyway. And I think the best, the, the yeah, best, the best part the of the song. Yeah. I, I think the best part of the song is the, like, like the outro, which is where like the, the key changes and the, um, he like the, the chords suddenly like switch to a like nicer resolving melody, which is like, which is like, am I wrong? Like that, that part where the chords like switch to a, like it, it just completely changes key. And you've got this nice, um, this nice chord progression that suddenly switches. To, it, it changes like really weirdly, but oh, it yeah, just I, fits really nicely. I think it's, I think and, this song is the perfect end off send off to it yeah it's like i there's no other track off of dirt that would end like would would no pun intended <laughs> yeah but yeah like and, and especially the ending like the that ending where it's like if i could could you yeah that straight up like i like, i'm gonna say this straight up right now you can at me that is the greatest ending to any song i've ever heard like Ever As opposed to the 12 life. previous tracks before this. In my entire <laughs> life. In, like, right there. Like, just the those five, like, hits right there. That is the greatest ending and outro to any song I've ever heard. And you can at me at that. You've heard uh, it here, listeners. Re- reference my name. I just one. do whatever you want with that. That is the greatest ending. Well, to end on that, all four of us have agreed on something for once. All four of us went would. Uh, I, I would say it's a bit more of a no contest. And that's it, everyone. We've gone through three of the pillars of grunge. Congratulations, everyone. You've all put up oh. very passionate arguments for all three of these albums. Let's finally run through the results and see which albums are getting the grand points and determine Ooh. which. 38 songs. Now, Jacob, last time you were on this podcast, we did end up having a draw. So let's hope we don't have that well, happen I again. I don't think we're going to have it this time. But... That's very okay. on brand. Very we'll start, on brand. I'll start with myself, the final scores. Now, the first score I will read out will be Dirt. The second one will be 10. And the third one will be Nevermind, okay? We all got that clear? Yep. Okay, Please. for myself, three to Dirt, four to 10, six for Nevermind. Okay. Understandable. Yeah. We'll go to Imran. Eight for Dirt. Zero for Ten. Four for Nevermind. That's a clear win for Allison Chains there. Jacob. Yeah. Four for Dirt. Seven for Ten. Two for Nevermind. That's a win for Ten. So it's one plays one plays one in the Grand Point game. So Salome, where did your allegiance lie? Dirt with four, 10 with three, and never mind with five. So we have found a winner Oof. somehow. I don't know what the reaction or blowback's going to be, but the mosh pit on Sin 
team have decided that Nevermind is the winner. And I don't know how to react because who knows how much of our opinions will change in the future. Like if you told me at the beginning to predict one, I would have picked it. Like if you'd asked me to predict, I would have thought never mind, but I I wouldn't have felt comfortable saying it at the same time. They are three amazing albums. You know, they've all been successful for very different reasons. But at the end of the day, I think I said it earlier in this podcast and I'll say it again. If you ask someone grunge, Three words that'll come back at you are Nirvana, Nevermind, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So I guess yeah. we've backed that up a bit. There you have yeah. it. I'm, 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 I'm a little surprised, to be honest. I felt like the entire way through, we were leaning a little bit more towards Alice in Chains and um, Pearl Jam. Uh, but it looks like closer to the end, we might have started to switch to uh, never mind on some of the weaker albums from both Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. It's almost as if they'll never mind the the ultra famous iconic songs were just too strong in the end. Yeah, maybe it's one of those albums. Imran, it's, take us out with I, your I, closing thoughts. You've been the most passionate out of all four of us, so I'll let you end this conversation. What are your final thoughts? I, look, I, I I think I I'm going to stand by my my choice against Alice in Chains is dirt. Because I I like to me that resonates. That that's the that's the album that sticks with me the most. But those these three albums are just three of the most fantastic albums of all time. I've like these these albums I'm gonna replay for eons to come. So for never mind to win, I I don't mind. Uh, that's that's an that's an iconic album. That's an album that's gonna last throughout the ages. Definitely. Oh well, whatever. See. Never mind. Honorific. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Oh. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that we'll be listening to all three. Certainly, we're all gonna continue to listen to these iconic albums. Uh, it's been. We've had a lot of laughs and we've learned a lot. Thanks for analysing this with everybody. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course, always an honour. And that, my friends, was that. As of today, at the time of recording, we at Mosh Pit on Sin believe that the winner out of the first three-way battle on the Great Metal Standoff is Nirvana Nevermind. Who knows how much of our opinions will change in the days or even weeks ahead. Also, just to follow up Jacob's question as to how many songs he and Imran both gave points to other than Wood, the answer to that is Down in a Hole and Junkhead. This has been the first three-way battle and the first battle of Grunge Month here on the Great Metal Standoff. Join us next time where we will put a Soundgarden album into the arena. Be the first to know when that episode drops by going to facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod or facebook.com forward slash mosh pit on C. That's all for now. Until then, battle up your ass!